The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. You're not going to believe this, mate. I've been doing speed checks all day and my internet has been fucking flying. And literally, as we start, the little symbol comes up in the corner to say, oh, you're losing signal. Well, man has been absolutely perfect all day, so I dare say we'll have lots of internet problems. Fan-bloody-tastic. Magsy, before we we press the little, little red button and went live... Uh, you were telling me a little bit about about your eggs and your chickens, weren't you? Some bloody great news. Yeah. Really, your happy little face beaming away. And, and it's weird. The wife keeps saying this while she went, you are so happy about these chickens. <laughs> I, I love it. Am, I love I it. Am, they, we've had them now, what, four weeks? And they started laying uh, eggs literally a week ago. And they've laid 13 eggs between the four of them already, which is outstanding and they're only they like little little diddy chicken eggs because obviously they're not full-grown chickens yet but yeah yeah and they're delicious i'm well, tempted to me, eat I'm... one in front of one in front of them just so they know who's boss don't be a bastard like that. <laughs> you, were t- you were telling me about a taste test you did we did so me uh carlos uh and lorraine and carlos's missus did a bland taste test where we compared them and some uh, some store-bought eggs. And, yeah, it's nat and day. Absolutely yeah. nat and day. You can so tell the difference. The colour, the um, the the way the flavour lingers. Yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah. Well, without a doubt, my mum has chickens and we get eggs from her every now and again. And the difference is ridiculous. It's yeah, I won't be sharing, man. Unless they start firing off... Um, like 10 eggs a day i'll <laughs> say that all... though chicken maths is a real thing i contacted the the place where we got them from uh just to tell him how they're going on uh left him a google review and said i might need some more chickens very very soon <laughs> see i love the idea of chickens but i hate the idea of getting up at 5am to let them out you can I get them out the door uh, okay all right for like about 50 quid Right, you just screw it to your chicken coop, and it's got a little light sensor, and then it raises when the sun comes up and goes down uh, when okay. the sun goes down. Yeah, I'll have to have a conversation with Quizmaster Sharon in a bit, but I, I don't. <laughs> I, I, I can see Sharon's face, and she's like, <laughs> "You can fuck right off." <laughs> uh, on the note of Quizmaster Sharon, we have a very busy show today. Our poll ended fifty-fifty. Obviously, it did because the CWF are assholes. Well, a little bit of news on that, Magsy. Um, and again, speaking of Quizmaster Sharon, she was the last person to vote 
and it went 50 50 with her vote and she screenshotted it and sent to me and went look at that and then the time ran out well what i'm gonna do on purpose is i'm gonna put uh married at first sight on the on the the second screen watch it and tell her what happens in it give her a running (laughs) don't do that she's doing us a favor Yes, we have a 50-50 poll, so two matches to cover. We have Mags v. Sai. We, of course, have our non-wrestling topic as well. A massive, massive bumper show of chain wrestling to close out your bank holiday weekend. So on that note, we best get on, Mags, hadn't we? We best, sir. Good morning, good evening. <laughs> Fuck that up, didn't I? <laughs> Brilliant. This Only 119 gonna... shows. This is not going to go well, folks. Only 119 shows, and I fucked up my own intro. And the weird and stupid and sad thing is, I've even got it written out in front of me, and I still fucked it up. I'll try again. And I'll cut this out of the audio version so no one's any the wiser when they listen to the <laughs> podcast. Uh... Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever and whenever you may be listening or watching from. This is Chain Wrestling Live with Mags and Sai, an SJP World Media production. Episode 119, as I just said. I am Sai, and with me as always is the king of the ring, to my lack of bling, because I'm poor. The stone cold stunner, to my not getting dumber, because I'm very confident with Mags v. Sai today. A podcaster who would obviously get the win if these tag partners ever faced off, because I'm more of a submissive and he's quite aggressive. And he's full of protein now for all these eggs. The Podfather himself, Lord Mags. How getting, are we doing, sir? Getting my father day in eggs. Yeah, I'm uh, doing really well. Uh, you're confident about this week's uh, Mags v. Sad because you told me not five minutes ago that you were struggling to come up with any questions. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I'm, I'm not confident in the slightest, but I had to make the <laughs> intro rhyme, so I just I just blag it, basically. <laughs> uh, before we get into this, today's show, who's in the chat, Magsy? Who's joined us and who is saying what? Okay, okay. So the, one of the perpetrators of, of our 50-50s, uh, Mr. Griffin, says 50-50 polls make Sarah suspicious, but chain wrestling is wrestlicious. Wasn't wrestlicious like a promo, a wrestling promotion at one time? I, I think it know. was. Was it? Anyway, we've got we can't linger, so we'll move on. Uh, Connor <laughs> says hello to the two most handsome blokes in Burnley and Gloucester. Oh, Man. there we go. Buttering us up, even though you totally like just got the assignment wrong for the for the non-wrestling topic but we'll get to that kind of later on <laughs> uh Aaron in the chat and also in in the in the green room saying it's monday night you know what that means uh dan griffin and uh king's pig banners saying hello to the rest of the cwf and dan is happy that you've got your voice back i'm still a bit coffee 
still a bit coffee, but I also it hasn't helped that I had a puff of my vape just then, and it tasted a bit funny. And now I'm thinking about it, I might have accidentally put my hay fever eye drops in my vape rather than my vape <laughs> because the bottles look really similar. You dumb motherfucker! So I'm thinking. Ah, I hope. I'm got fingers <laughs> crossed that's happened because that would be hilarious. Mm. Uh, Dan says, "Am I making tiny omelets with the tiny eggs?" Well, no. You you use more eggs essentially i mean that's how it, it works they are really did I'll, I'll uh if i remember i'll post a picture up of how small they are compared to a, a standard egg but they will get bigger it's just because they, they're still young chickens uh scottish danny in the chat hello sir how are you and charlie also in the chat sharon has put her foot down absolutely <laughs> no chickens dan says you're welcome on the 50 50 poll Dan, that's for you. That's yours. <laughs> <laughs> no monetization for us. Um, and Kings Please Better says, yes, Wrestlicious and VJ Rich. So, yeah, I thought it was a, a, a wrestling promo. Uh, so that's oh, the chat that. all caught up. Look at me. You're looking ripped like Batista. You are. Proper buff, aren't you? Thank you yeah. again to King's Pig's Bladders for this background that we got sent. For um, some reason, Magsy, you have a mint arrow as a nipple. As a tattoo. It looks like a Batista tattoo. Ah, yes. And I've got, I think that's Batista, uh, Goldberg, isn't it? Goldberg, <laughs> it's so? definitely Goldberg, right yeah. on the titty. Lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. Ah, uh, so then, first segment this week, as is the way, fortnightly. I've I got some catching up to do because I'm falling behind in the early days of this competition. We have Mags v. Sai. It's funny. Hello, Chris Master Sharon, first of all. Thank you so much for joining us on Chain Wrestling Live once again, my love. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I was telling Maxie I got told off as well because I came downstairs to talk to you and you had the uh, the questions up on your laptop that I didn't realise. And I was sent very sternly into, away from the back room where you were sat. <laughs> and I, no, I definitely did not send the questions la- late as well. That was something that definitely didn't happen. No. <laughs> no, I, no. I was I totally forgot and so I was like messaging me, uh come on, I want those <laughs> questions. And of course the first Apologies. time the first time you get them really late, and Sharon's gotta go through them, obviously, for people uh, unaware how this works. Sharon has the questions, Mags and I don't know what's been sent and so on by each other. Uh Sharon checks them beforehand to make sure that we both haven't got the same question because obviously that would be bloody pointless and for the first time since we started this one of the questions was pretty much identical wasn't it Sha? yeah mm, it was indeed um backlash 2005 was the subject mm-hmm. because it aired originally on this date i think magazine um, f- this this day may the first 2005 yep and it also has like a, a bit of a link to this week's episode because that was the rematch of one of the matches that we're gonna cover later on mm, it was indeed it was indeed so five questions each about backlash 2005 i'm gonna get 
freaking destroyed again. I can just see it coming. You, you've lost by one point like every time. <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. That is true. Uh, Sharon, <laughs> I will hand it over to you, my love. Thank you. Um, Mr. Max. Hello. Which band provided the official theme to Backlash 2005? Oh, I, I, I was focusing on it on it as well because Jerry Lawler is the one who, who mentions the song and it's gone. It's absolutely gone out of my head. Uh, I have no clue. It was a band that I'd never heard of. Um, so, yeah, I pass. I pass on this I'd never heard of them either. Oh, the answer... Is Trust Company? Yeah, I've not heard of them before or since, a, and, and it was a crap song as well. They, they weren't great. Yeah, yeah, they sucked. Oh. <laughs> Mister Sai. Yes. What spot was in the first replay of Backlash two thousand and five? The first replay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not reply like Mags wrote. Replay. (laughs) (laughs) Instant reply. (laughs) Um, Okay, the first replay. So, oh, truth. What was the opener? I can't even remember what the opener was. Did you watch the event this time? Yes, I did. I did. I watched it. Oh, the opener was Shelton Benjamin and Chris Jericho. So, oh my goodness, I'm not sure. I'm gonna say Benjamin doing a springboard. Is no. that your final answer? That's my final answer because you are incorrect. The answer is Shelton Benjamin jumping from the ring to the top rope, superplexing Jericho. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, fair enough. That is quite spectacular. Isn't that? It is a great spot. Mm. What a question that was! Bloody hell, Mister Max. Hello. In the last man standing match. Earl Hebner started a count 17 times. What number did he reach the most? Oh, eight. He does it all the bloody time. He reaches eight so many times, it's annoying. I think he reaches nine, maybe twice. But it's eight. You are correct. He got to the count of eight five times. He's an arsehole. (laughs) (laughs) And like counted two about four times or something stupid like Mm. that as well. Mr. Sai, Mm -hmm. how many wrestlers did the Bret Hart sternum first corner spot? How many what? How many wrestlers did did the Bret Hart sternum first corner spot? Oh, it, what over the course of the show? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh my goodness! Um, I've got no idea. I, none, none of it stands out. So there's a chance it was zero. But I'm going to say three. Yeah, three. Go on. Final answer. You are incorrect. It is two. Oh. Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit. And now what I was, I would same question was it was my question number two it was yes yeah I would have got that one right (laughs) (laughs) I don't know I still think you might have struggled (laughs) Um, I've lost my train of thought oh Mr Max Mm -hmm. 
Hello. The night after Backlash, a tournament began to decide Batista's next challenger. Which wrestler from the Backlash card won the tournament? Oh. Oh, that's a good question, that, isn't it? I mean, the, the guy that comes to mind straight away would be Edge. Just because he, this was when he was really starting that that big push. So yeah, I'm going to go with Edge. I think Edge. And you are correct. Oh, get in a bit of breathing room now. Oh, for God's sake! <laughs> <laughs> I got to get Mr. everything Sai. right to win. Yes, on, you sorry, do. Yeah, <laughs> Mister Sai, yeah. how many times did Edge tap out in the Last Man Standing match versus Benoit? Once in the Sharpshooter. I'm going to assume once in the Crossface. Two. Is that your final answer? Uh, yeah, I'm going with two. I can't think of any more unless there was an, an extra crossface spot in there or something. I'm going to go with two because there was one in the sharpshooter and I remember one in the crossface. So. You are correct. Bloody Boom. hell! Your water size making a comeback. Yeah, no, I'm not happy about that. Oh, nope. Didn't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let Sai do anything. That's where it goes wrong. Yes. Um, Mr. Mags. Hello. Who wrestled the only pre-show match that night? Um, was it Val Venus and Tomko? I think it was Val Venus and Tomko. Oh, fuck off, Max. <laughs> <laughs> Is that was your it? final answer, Max? <laughs> I think Sarge just confirmed it's probably Val Venus versus Tomko. Yes. You are correct. Oh, see, oh, I like fuck to off. Can you imagine putting on the weakest link and what it was? <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> fuck off, Anne Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mr. Sai. Yeah, sorry. Coffee my guts up again. Sorry. Um, name all of the divas in the Divas Swimsuit magazine segment with Jerry Lawler. Uh, okay. Candice Michelle. Christy Hemi. Stacey Keebler. Oh, the ring announcer. What was her name? Lillian Garcia. The Fink. Um, the Fink. Yeah, <laughs> the Fink in a swimsuit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, oh, Maria Canellis. Oh, there's one more, isn't there? Is there one more? Victoria. Have I missed one, or is that all of them? Is that all of your answers? Oh, come on. I'm not going to win anyway. <laughs> oh, do you want me to give a tell away? Oh, fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's all my answers. You are correct on everyone. Nailed it. Well, I watched that segment several times. <laughs> in slow motion. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Maria Canales, mind. Good looking lady. I'm saying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mr. Max, Backlash 2005 was held at the Verizon Wireless Arena in Manchester, New Hampshire. Quite a small arena, so its capacity was extended to 14,000 for this sellout show. 
But what was it extended from? Okay. Wow, that is very specific. Um, I mean, you can't... It can't be extended too much. So if it only got up to 14,000, I'm assuming they mean with like ringside seats and things like that. I'm going to say 10,500. So close. The answer no, was 11,000. No leeway. That's good of you this week. <sighs> yeah, I should have given you some leeway. And I would probably, I would probably let you add like 500 either way, to be fair. I know, but never mind. But no, so because you, I got a chance you of putting level now, so... You could draw with this one. I need to get this. Come on. Come on. Come on. Okay, let's do it. Mr. Pressure's Sai. On. What mm-hmm. was unique about the first time Muhammad Hassan and Shawn Michaels wrestled each other in their tag team match? What was unique? Mm-hmm. Um... Well, something that I know was unique was that Michaels and Hogan hadn't teamed together before, but I'm assuming that's not what you're looking for. Is that your answer? Um, I mean, he's been taking oh. over the Quizmaster job. Oh, dear me. Because I don't know. There, cause, uh, there is something sp- very specific about the first time that they faced each other in this match. Hmm. I'm not going to say too much because it is it will give it away. The first time they faced each other in this match. Oh my goodness, I'm just, I'm absolutely stumped. I'm intrigued to find out the answer. Go on, I got I got no clue. The answer is neither of them were the legal men. Oh wow. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so um Devara uh, was actually tagged in and then thrown out of the ring and then there was a brawl and then Hogan signaled for Shawn Michaels to, to be tagged in but the tag never actually happened and the ref just okay. let it go. Uh, yeah. Okay, oh, very interesting. Did you also notice as well, scanning through the network, that the Mohammed Hassan and Davari names have been dropped again on this show? So it yeah, just says Hulk, just, yeah. Yeah, Hulk Hogan and Shawn Michaels in a tag match. So yeah. Mohammed Hassan through no fault of his own, is being basically he's been given the Benoit treatment. Yeah, he's been <laughs> yeah. wow, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah not good, Oof. not good. Three two. Oh my goodness! I I thought I was in for shite this week. Oh, how That's good was that compared to last week where we got one out of ten? Uh, yeah. Between us. Well, the last the last two weeks we got one out of twenty in the last yeah. God knows how many weeks, haven't we? So ridiculous. Oh, there we go. There we go. Sharoon, thank you so so much for helping us again. With Amazing the as always. Absolute shite yeah. show that was my performance on Mags V Sai. <laughs> Mags, what's that now? You're, Four one one is it now? Five one one something like that. I think five. I think five, five. one one. I'm gonna pull the nose out though. Don't worry about that. I'm gonna pick the topic next time. By all means. Yeah. Okay. And it'll be named Simon's favourite moves. <laughs> and- <laughs> what are, What are the best matches of Barry Windham? <laughs> uh yeah sharon thank you so so much for joining us and making that possible once again yeah, uh, i assume start. we will see you in the chat in a moment you will indeed okay, Go on thank enjoy you my love i'll speak to thank you soon. you bye, bye. bye. <sighs> that wasn't as painful as last time 
But you did it's really still, well. Still frustrating. I, you I, made. I'm still frustrated. You made improvements. I did. I got two right. Nearly fifty percent. Dan Griffin in the chat. I need to play poker with Sar. He has a very <laughs> <laughs> very subtle, very subtle indeed. Uh, and Cameron has joined us as well. Hiya, Cam. How Hello, are you? Sir. My How friend? are you, Cam? Hey, up, kid. Proper Yorkshire there. Uh, Dan said it. Uh, the unique thing, it was the first time Vince passed out from the blood rushing south. <laughs> well done on achieving a modicum of knowledge. <laughs> well done on being average. Well, well, yeah, I mean, it was literally average. Between us, we got half yeah. the questions correct. So that, yeah. you can't get more average than... So, for the chat, uh, we'll, we'll test you guys. So, saying I got a question uh, very similar, so we'll ask it to you, see if you know... Um, oh, my money is on Scottish Danny, by the way. Yeah, definitely. If he's still here. Yeah. So, uh, one of the teams in the tag team turmoil match was the Heartthrobs. But what were the the, the wrestler names of, of both the guys in the Heartthrobs? So, mm-hmm. first to answer gets bragging rights. There we go. And I don't mean like the pay per view on DVD or anything. We're, we're not talking, we're not, we're not giving anything real away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we just can't afford to do that. Oh, there we go. Then shall we say, uh, Oh, Sharon says she knows the answer. Yeah, she, will, <laughs> she, got, she got it sent to her, not once, but twice. Exactly. She, she got yeah. confirmation. <laughs> she did. She did. I would have, I wouldn't have known if I hadn't Googled it either. To be fair, I would have no idea. I don't I mean, remember those at it's, all. It's literally on the tats. It says it on the back of the tats. Oh, does it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I did watch the match. I couldn't remember them whatsoever, these guys. No, no. I, they, they have just been wiped out of, of all wrestling existence for me. Yeah. A perfect uh, a perfect uh, entry to the Hall of Lame for you next week, though. Ah, there we go. That's me. <laughs> Who were the tag team that came down dressed in the 50s gear? Um, like they were in Juice, Greece. Juice and Domino. Yes, and they had the last on. It was on the uh, the Cherry. roller skate. She That's was called it. Cherry. Yeah. So when they said heartthrobs, for some reason, I thought of them. No, they they were Juice and Domino. One of them oh, was was now. was one Sim Snooker. One was a Snooker as well, weren't it? Yeah, I think so. They were the douchebags who were meant to catch uh, the Undertaker when he did the 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 no no rope plancher, and they totally missed him. Right. Uh, yeah, and he crashed and burned. Yes, and nearly killed. Uh, we have a winner as well. And Mr. it was Griffin. always going to be missed. If it yeah. wasn't Scottish Dan, it was always going to be the other member of the Council of Dan's, Mr. Griffin. Naturally, well done, sir. Naturally. Well done. Shall we get on then with our non-wrestling topic this week? We shall. NWT time. Oh, no wrestling talk here. It's the non-wrestling topic. Lovely. Nice. Lovely. Nice. Oh, lovely. Lovely. Yes, indeed. There is our dancing cat. Look at that. Obviously, if you're listening on the podcast version, you cannot. And it's a shame because it's a cool gif. But there we go. Our non-wrestling topic this week was kind of a a flip turn around of last week. Uh, This week, we're looking for... What was it, Maxie? Shit songs by great bands last week, wasn't it? <laughs> it was your idea. <laughs> How did I you know, know it was my idea, but I'm quite, I'm quite, I even had to rewrite the tweet because I put it the wrong way around again this week. Oh, dear, dear, dear. But this no, we time, are looking... it's good songs by 
terrible artists. There we go. Good songs by terrible artists. So I suppose One Hit Wonders can sort of drop into that. If you have any suggestions as we are talking in the chat, chuck them in and let us know. And also, whilst you're in the chat there as well, uh, feel free to share the link to the show on Twitter, Facebook, all your social medias, etc., etc. Spread the word about what we're doing here on a Monday night to try to give a little bit of entertainment. But yes, good songs by shit artists. And we had all sorts come in. There's quite a few that I know, Magsy, for a start. And it started off uh, a bit of a debate as well uh, with yep. one of the answers. So, yeah, did. I didn't realise it would touch so many raw nerves. But, yeah. Some... There is also, you'll be completely unsurprised to know, many that I have no fucking clue about. <laughs> Shock. Shock. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, on the audio version, you'll probably hear some of these songs as we go across when it's released later in the week. I will run through them in the order they arrived into us, roughly, provided I have screenshotted them properly. Uh, first of all, we have Dan Griffin, at Dan Griffin at 21 on Twitter. And he says, White Wedding and Rebel Yell by Billy Idol are bangers. Mm-hmm. Everything else I've heard by him is bollocks. I reckon that's a fair shout. I can't say I've ever heard anything else from him. Uh, Money Money was one of his? Nope. No? I know, I know White, White Wedding and Rebel Yell, but mm-hmm. that is yeah. it. So, yeah. yeah, I agree with that. I saw Billy Idol live at a festival, and you're literally hanging around, effectively, to hear those songs, aren't you? Let's be honest. So he's going to play them last yeah of course and it was horrific weather i had basically built myself some sort of homemade poncho out of gaffer tape and a couple of bin liners i found in my tent it was the rain was you know horizontal it was awful weather but i stuck it out because i've never seen billy Idol before i wanted to hear him play these songs and did when he played when he played rebel yell fantastic can't fault that fucking white wedding he did acoustic and i was fuming (laughs) <laughs> excuse me mr idol <laughs> i am here pissing down now you'll play it properly <laughs> i was very very cross uh dan griffin also says the final countdown by europe i don't know any other songs by europe i mean that's more your genre mm. i suppose yeah uh, europe are, yeah europe are a funny one because obviously the final countdown is is huge and and, and you know massive track you hear it all the time i've seen europe live a couple of times on one occasion, I'm 99% certain they opened and closed with the final countdown on one of the times I saw them, which is commitment to their biggest hit, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But I saw them in the mid to late 2000s, 07, 08, 09, that sort of time, maybe. And they played a track off what they said was their new album. And of course, everyone sort of goes, oh, for goodness sake, just play the final countdown, will you? And it was freaking fantastic. I hate going to a concert and they play new <laughs> stuff. <laughs> but it was it was an absolute stormer, Magsy. It wasn't you know synth heavy hair metal. It was it was more sort of traditional rock. And the guy's got a fantastic voice. Mm-hmm. This I can't remember the name of the song, but it was a banger. So I went and bought the new album based off that. And that album from start to finish is fucking incredible. So you, what you're saying is Dan drunk? Well, no, no, he's right to a degree because I then went out and bought other albums, and they are all shite. Oh, fair play. So they had one good album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Many, many years after their sort of most popular time as well, I suppose. Uh, one I'm unfamiliar with, which I'm assuming I've heard, but by the way, Dan explains it. Leave the Memories Alone by Fuel. Listen to that after it was on Ric Flair's WWE retirement video. Went to listen to the rest and oh dear. So it was on his retirement video. I would have seen this. Yeah. Or heard I, don't, this. I don't remember the song. I, re- I remember the, the, the video package. Um, 
I mean, it's it's a brave thing to go and listen to the the full album after that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it just went the way of Ric Flair's retirement, I suppose. Mm, it was just yeah. Shit leave has- the memories, leave the memories alone. It's quite yeah. an apt title for the song as well. <laughs> that almost suggests that WWE knew he worked, he wasn't going to yeah. hold to that retirement. Well, the story is apparently, even though we had this fantastic story, he didn't want to retire, but they well, kind of made him. I mean, WWE did that though. They did that to uh, Macho Man, didn't they? He, he said he wasn't ready to retire, and they met him anyway. Mm, very true. Very true. Uh, Chris Bellis at Real Chris Bellis on Twitter. He says, never... <laughs> "What? Uh, this one is the one that got sparser." Oh, right. Okay. Uh, he says, "I've never liked Alien Ant Farm. A bunch of trust fund no marks. The movies is an absolute banger, though." Um, <laughs> oh, I like the way we caught the beginning of that cough. Uh, but that's just sarcophagus. He's got. Oh my goodness! Um, I'm sorry. Uh, oh. The movies, I, I vaguely remember it. Um, I think it was the one where they had like the 3D effect in the cinema for the video. Mm, yeah, but yeah. The only like, standout song of theirs was the, the Michael Jackson cover, Smooth Criminal. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a good cover. I quite like that. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, um, Chris got some grief for this. He said, "You are so so wrong with this." Their first two albums were great. SS recognized Sticks and Stones, Calico, uh, Flesh and Bone, Summer, Wish. These days, uh, never meant Rubber Mallet. Unreal band. Their bassist was out of this world. They've got a real drive in their rhythm section. Chris replied. No, I'm not, as in, no, he's not <laughs> wrong, but opinion is subjective anyway. Uh, and then Dave says, oh, man, I think they're bloody fantastic. And Chris says, that's subjective too. Unless there's a magazine in this, this is such a, such a burn. Unless there's a magazine in shops called Alien Out Farm or the best monthly, and our king makes it an arrestable offence to dislike them, <laughs> then we can both be right. Chris, that was a brilliant, brilliant Bloody comeback. Hell. Quality. Yeah. Uh, our Photoshop wizard at Pig's Batters on Twitter, the king himself, he says, Mr. Big, to be with you. Couldn't I, name one other song they've ever made, but that song was huge at the time. I don't remember it. <laughs> I, am, I, I don't it can't be that huge. <laughs> There's a Mr. Big song that I do really like, but I don't know what it's called. I wonder if it's that one. It could be. I don't recall any Mr. Big no, songs. Okay. Uh, Dexy's Midnight Runners. Come on, Eileen. Come on, Eileen. Oh, I swear at this moment. Classic one-hit wonders. No other hits. Not one, and that song still gets loads of airtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can't think of any other. No. Dexy's Midnight Runners. So that's a good shout. Yep, that, that's going back a bit as well. I think that's like the year I was born that came out, wasn't it? 81, I think that came out, something like that. I think he may have spelled Come on, Eileen wrong, though. 
Oh, he's th- that's um that's a video version that you can get on- online. <laughs> yeah. The time track is slightly different, shall we say? Oh, you're gonna be as rude as you like with me. Oh. Uh, Pig spiders continue. Oh God, for crying out loud! I don't want any images made with that in mind, please. <laughs> We do not want to be tagged in that. Uh, Living Colour, Cult of Personality. CM Punk has a part to play in its continued popularity, but it's the only song of theirs I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. The other one, Anna. Yeah. yeah. But it, it came huge. Also, obviously, CM Punk had a massive part to play. Pig Spider is 100% correct. But it also was a massive part of one of the Guitar Hero games. Okay. And all what? of those songs. Cult became... of Personality was. Yes. Yes, it was on Guitar Hero. Yes, I remember my lad playing it all the time. And um, he actually got a little crowd around him when we were on holiday once it, down in uh, Portugal in the arcade because he was hitting like 99% accuracy on all five buttons mm-hmm. and just tearing it up. And he was just stood there. But he was so concentrated on what he was doing. He was oblivious that this crowd was gathering all around him. So when he actually finished one of the songs, turned around, he was like, because there was just a gang of people <laughs> there. <staring. laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. But no, he did very, very well on that. Yes. Uh, Wheatus, Pigs Badness continues. Teenage Dirtbag. Four mm-hmm. albums they've released. The first is okay. The rest is crap. I don't even. I don't think I've listened to a full Wheatus album. I know that one song. Mm. Um, but yeah, got two tickets Can't... to Iron Maiden, baby. Oh uh, well, I'm Ooh, sure you could wow. shift them on on uh, getmein.com. Oh, for goodness' sake, we'll have no Iron Maiden slander here. Thank you very much, <laughs> uh, Graham MGB Graham on Twitter. He says. I knew I loved St. Elmo's Fire, but is, that's a film, isn't it? Yeah, I think that was the, the the theme song to the film. Okay, right. But I had to listen to some of these, and then he's included a link there that we'll, we'll retweet via our, our Chain Wrestling account, so you can check it out. Uh, needed to listen to some of these, and it's the top 10 of this particular artist, to confirm I didn't like any of his other work. Number fives down to number two were awful, so this qualifies for sure. <laughs> so we got we got to five and two and four. I'm not hitting six and ten because no. they they can't be any better. No, nope, I didn't even exactly. know this song was bad. This bloke is it John Parr? Yeah, I don't I don't know because what I've done is I've screenshotted this. So the screenshot says top ten classic John P A. Thank you. But then dot, if dot, you look dot. further down, it says there classic. Top oh, 10 it John does. Parr. Yeah, right in front of me. Yes, top ten. And then John our Parr. top ten. John Parr songs there. Yes, my, my amazing wife bringing me a cup of tea there to help soothe my bad throat, Magsy. Isn't oh, she she's, a, she's a star. She's a diamond. Uh, the Villain King at official AB underscore POS. Uh, we bloody love AB on this show. I'm the Doctor Who pod. Big supporter of that show as well. Fantastic person. Absolutely brilliant. Huge valued member of the CWF. They say, standing outside a broken phone booth with money in my hand, by primitive rock gods. Easy. Name another primitive rock god song without searching. I rest my case. I can't agree with that one. I've no, got no, no idea. This this topic has been a damp squib for us, really, because we don't know half mm. of the, the songs on it. Yes, indeed. I will go check that out, though, 
if I value AB's opinion and, and, and if uh, they I will I will I'll tell you no, I'm going to have to because what I was going to happen is I'm going to we're talking about it for so long now it's going to be one of the songs that I play underneath us as we're talking on the podcast version. Oh, so I'm going to have to hear it. Apologies, that is true. So, <laughs> yes, so I will definitely check that out. And AB, they are, a, 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 like I said, fantastic person. Uh, Millwall Chris, at Millwall Chris 1. He gives us a bit of a list, Max. I, I haven't got Millwall Chris's, I don't think. Oh, I've got oh, okay. one. I've got one of his. Okay. Uh, what one do you have? Lisa Loeb, stay? Lisa Loeb, yes. Okay. That rings a bell, Lisa Loeb. But I don't. Yeah, it's, 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 she was literally a one-hit wonder. Um, okay, it's a good song, isn't it? I mean, it's not amazing, but yeah. Mm, okay, um, we have. I've done this in the wrong order, so I apologise in advance to Mill Chris. We'll come back to his shortly. Uh, Pigs Badders again. He says here, "Amoeba" by Adolescence. I love this song. It's awesome. Made a special effort, re-listened to a lot of their other songs just to see if they qualify. And no, they don't at all. Really enjoyed it. But seeing as you made me check, I'm making you read it out. <laughs> <laughs> see, the the shoe is on the other foot today because it normally makes me read something long-winded and ridiculous out. But today, you have to do it. Adolescence, the name and the the, the design, I suppose, on the screen that we have there, I'm getting punk band vibes. Uh, Wizard it, it, in the... It, it sounds a little bit like that. But yeah, when, yeah. When I hear adolescent in music terms, I always think of fluorescent adolescent by the Arctic Monkeys, which is a banger of a tune. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, Wizard Pigs Badders in the chat, let us know. Are they a punk band? What, what do they sound like? Uh, let it, us know from that. Yeah, I'm sure. Millwall Chris again. Maria McKay, Show Me Heaven. Oh, I know Show Me Heaven. Yeah, is that from Top Gun? I think it's Top Gun. Is it? Is it Top Gun? I think so. Wrong, 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 wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Well, when the blonde lass and Tom Cruise are doing the no pants dance. When is it? When is it not? When he's riding, she's riding, bitch on the motorbike. See, no, uh, don't. Isn't it Berlin? The, the soft one on the Top Gun soundtrack. Um, take my breath away. Oh, it could be that. I may be totally wrong then. Yeah, Show Me Heaven is something different. Isn't it? Show Me Heaven, I, I imagine the big hair though. That that sticks out to me. But yeah, Mariah McKee, Show Me Heaven. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, it's that time of the week again, Magsy. We go to our good buddy Steve-O, at Total Steve-O on Twitter. Uh, just before you do, okay. it was a Tom Cruise film. Right. It's actually for Days of Thunder. Ah, okay. Which is basically Top Gun with cars, isn't it? Yeah, top, NASCAR gun. Yeah, NASCAR gun. <laughs> NASCAR gun. That sounds like a punk band. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was Cocktail as well was another film of his from the 80s, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Mm. I mean, I've, I'm not, I've got nothing to add no. to that. I'm just It just popped the, in my head. So Mrs. Mags loves that film. Yeah, that's a great film. Yes, there we go. Steve-O. 
Steve-O, he says, right, a more easier topic. So when he put the rat and dot, 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 I can imagine Steve-O rubbing his hands together and going, here we go. Yeah. It was like a, is, a Bond ah, villain smile. Yeah. Like, no, Mags and Sai, I expect you to die. Um, <laughs> a more easier topic, Steve-O says. I'll kick off with Mudvayne. Everyone seems to think they're amazing. They're not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they are not amazing. You are all idiots for thinking it. Oh, there we go. However, they have some fantastic bangers. Happy and Dig are fantastic. I think, I, have I seen Mudvayne? They're one of those bands that I think I might have seen, but I'm not sure. A lot of the concert going here is uh, quite hazy. They may have been a support act to a to a good band. Yeah, maybe. Or I'm getting confused with somebody else. I don't know. Um, we'll probably find out they're all dead, and I've not seen them, and I'm getting confused <laughs> with somebody else. Uh, American Head Charge, I know that name. Just so you know, off their first album, probably only decent song on it. Okay. Uh, in fact, there are many of those new metal acts that came up between 99 and 2001 that had a hit, and that was it. Yeah, there was so like when Limp Biscuit made big, and then obviously Linkin Park followed, and well, I say followed Hybrid Theory and um, the big Limp Biscuit album came out on the same day, I think, or the same yeah. month anyway. Mm-hmm. But yeah, then there was a couple of others like Corn were kind of branded in with that as well. Saliva. Yeah, that's the, and yeah, you had the likes of Saliva and all these other bands sort of follow along. Had and I remember that, like they'd have like a video on MTV played to death or on, like Kerrang TV or whatever, mm-hmm. but then you'd never hear from them again. Yeah, a lot of one hit uh, wonders in that all new metal scene. Yeah, and when I used to go to uh, the place I told you about before, Maxi Crackers in Gloucester, it was um, a little dingy nightclub underneath a car park. It was you no, know, the floor was sticky. It was gross. It was horrible. But it was the only place that played metal. Mm-hmm. It was the same playlist every Saturday night. And you guarantee all of these one-hit wonders from these new metal bands made up that playlist. That's yeah. all they would play, you know? And here is one of them here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> here is one of them here that Steve mentions. Uh, Drowning Pool springs to mind. The album Let the Bodies Hit the Floor. one good song bodies yeah. that's it yeah, exactly exactly uh in fact as i'm writing i'm deliberately listening to it yes it's bad <laughs> <You've watered for laughs> oh he's martyring himself audio wise for our benefit maxi he's doing the research so we don't have to or he's, he's doing star. the research because he kind of knows that i probably won't bother so <laughs> uh steve continues so i mentioned good charlotte because of Spotify, I get to listen to a lot of albums I couldn't back from that era. And they had two good songs, uh, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous and The Anthem. The rest of that yeah. album is appalling. Okay. I, I, I don't mind Girls and Boys. They had a song called Girls and Boys. Um, oh, Girls Like Boys, Girls yeah. Like Lots of Money. Like that. Yeah, that was Sort yeah, of. But, but they're another band who, who were essentially one slash two hit wonders mm. that, that's that, oh one of those that kind of, of commercial punk kind yeah. of rock bollocks one of those is the video where is it is it um lifestyles of the rich and the famous when the guy's got a, a girl with him well i say girl a, a mature lady shall we say she's, wearing, a, she's a, an old old woman 
she must be like ninety six. And he tongues her, uh, mate. Honestly, I, that used to make me wretch. Yeah, I used to watch that video and proper just be like, oh, you know, yeah, it was grim. Yeah, it's it was grim. bad. It was yeah. bad. Ah, uh, Stevo says POD. Again, one good song off Satellite, Alive. The rest is garbage. Alive is a banger. That is such a good record. No, they, they, I'm sure they did a song as well called Youth of the Nation. That was a not Yes, that, yeah, that was, yeah, that was right. I had an EP of theirs. I, I don't know if it was Satellite, because it, it wasn't a whole album. I had like five tracks. And didn't and they all, also do the, a Rey Mysterio theme as well? Yeah, time. they did. That's shit, though. <laughs> that is shit. I hate Rey Mysterio's theme tune. I hate it. You should go, you should go back to the old WCW and that. Dun, 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 like that. You know? They, they stole off Dean Malenko, I think. But, um, yeah, Alive is is an absolute stormer of a record. That was used on a WWF promo, promotion package as well. Was that a Shawn Michaels? Was that Elimination Chamber 2002? Or maybe the SummerSlam 2002 match? I, I think so. It was one of those bands that WWE kept going to. Mm. Um Salava, um, is it uh, the one that does Edge's song? They got quite a few. Alterbridge, Alterbridge, yeah, they lo- they oh. love them. Limp Biscuit, obviously, big yeah. fans of them. There was a time, I'm sure, that at one WrestleMania, the thing announced Limp Biscuit as the WWE's favorite band, and then the very next WrestleMania, it was Salava is the WWE's yeah. favorite band. I'm like, you two-faced assholes, you lying bastard! Thing. <laughs> Go back to your swimsuit modeling, your shiny headed. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, I'll continue. I love Howard Finkel, and he's sadly no longer with us. And I feel really bad that I said that. Now, I, um, I, I, I watched. Um, him in some in something earlier on today was uh when uh jeff jarrett and x-pac were having a hair versus hair match and he sh- and jarrett and uh southern justice shaved fink's hair and i felt so horrible for him mm. yes there we go uh steve-o then does a magazi and cheats basically and says i'll tell you some bands now that every song is a banger which is not what we asked for, but let's go with it anyway. Uh, bowling for Soup, Newfound Glory, awesome bands. And, and then I have... know Bowling for Soup, that's the one with the, the bassist who's uh, quite husky and with a big bald head. Yeah. Uh, they're, that's right. they're not too bad. Yeah. Girl, uh, the girl or the bad guys one, is that one of their songs? Yes. That's, that yeah. That's what a, that's a... the last that was in that video? She was lovely. I don't, really, I don't even remember the video, to be fair. Check it out, man. She's a, she's a lovely lady. Um, well, I, I don't, I've never met her. I don't know. She may be... Uh, she might be a rat. Twat. Yeah. If anyone has met the girl from that video, please let us know if she is nice or not. If you know the girl that all the bad guys want, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Chamber, Marilyn Manson, both have some great songs. Keyword, some. As majority of their stuff is garbage. Mm-hmm. Okay. I recently listened to Manson's acclaimed Antichrist Superstar. It's made out to be one of the greatest albums ever. Listen to it, you will struggle. I think Marilyn Manson is one of those acts that really came along at the right time for that that act. Mm-hmm. It filled a void that wasn't there. 
blew up the, became the huge. kind of like the disenfranchised youth and yes yeah. yes exactly yeah. max right. and it kind of they kind of just you know never really made good music after their initial explosion i don't think but they didn't just, need to because they already had their their yeah. hooks into into the youth i've seen marilyn manson live on three separate occasions definitely two i think three and he was absolute shit every single time. I think my issue with with Marilyn Manson is that after they got big with like the um, the beautiful people and stuff like that. Yes, SmackDown thing. Yeah, the music was then took a back seat. It was all about the shock value then. Because I yeah. think their follow up album, um, I think it was was it the Dope Show. Yeah, and he did the the whole kind of like um, um, clothes shop dummy outfit, and mm. you could tell it was more about the visual than the actual music. Um, so yeah, yeah. kind of went up his own ass a little bit. Did he end with. up being a wrong one as well? Uh, I think he was accused, um, right? But I don't think he he definitely did anything. I think it was abusive or something like that, wasn't he? I'm not sure. I've I've, I've heard rumours, but I don't know what is nothing is. I don't think he's ever been like charged with anything. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, let's move on quickly before Mr. Manson sues us. Um, <laughs> Steve-O says again, yeah, like I said, he made this out to be the greatest album ever. Listen to it. You will struggle. And Steve-O also says, Corn are another band who have some incredible songs, but my God, I cannot stand the albums. Yeah, they, corner of funny. They had one, one good song for me. Okay, was that the one with the bullet in the video? Yeah, Freak on the Leash. Yes, that what video a great video that is. That is yeah. outstanding. That video. That's what sure that was used on a WWE pay-per-view as well. That's a that's a future non-wrestling topic. If we haven't done it already, isn't it? Great music videos. Mm, yeah, corn yeah. again as a band. I've caught a couple of times at festivals, and they've always entertained me. But I wouldn't listen to them at home. But live, I think they've always been quite entertaining. So. Yeah, a, a good live act. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cam, at Cam Griff 92 Magsy, I'm so sorry. I'm about to cough my guts up again. So Cam, uh, he actually came in quite late with his, but it's a banging answer. Uncle Cracker, follow me. Now, if I remember rightly, Uncle Cracker was either one of the the, the guitarists for um, Sawyer Brown, uh, which was the backing band for Kid Rock. Okay. And that song, when it came out, was huge uh, in Britain, absolutely huge. And it was, it sounded nothing at all like Kid Rock. It was more kind of like a, a country uh, anthem. Yeah. But I didn't even know he did any more um, songs until uh, Scottish Danet, the wrestling encyclopedia, comes in and says, yes, outside of that and the X Factor theme which really isn't his anyway. Now, I read that, and I thought he meant, like, the, the Simon Cowell TV yeah, show, in fact, and I thought, is there even any word to that? How do you even know that's him? But he meant the X Factor, um, X Pack, um, Albert, and just incredible oh, faction okay. thing. Like, I got everything I ever wanted, and I'll never get that back. So uh. he did that song, yeah. There we go. Uh, yeah, apologies again, everyone, for for my my voice, my throat. I've had a bit of a cough and a sore throat for a while now. So over the weekend, I had to cancel two recordings because I was at one point I couldn't speak. I woke up one morning and I was literally like that. It's horrible. It's horrible. Being yeah, 
Yeah, I think I'm coming out at the end of it now. But every now and again, it'll creep up on me and I'll be like, oh, God, that's back, sir. Uh, and finally, on Twitter, unless there's any I have missed, we have, well, we have Connor from Twitter as well, of course, but I've not. He didn't play the rules properly, <laughs> did Connor? He, he did not understand the assignment. So, Connor's no. answer is a few punk albums that are near and dear to his heart. Never mind the bollocks. Uh, here's the Sex Pistols. One of his favorite punk rock albums. Uh, ever made a uh, solid track list from beginning to the end uh the album that he first discovered the pistols that's great but this is great songs by shit bands connor so you've kind of uh, not got the 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 point for the question but point for the effort uh he already he says as well uh give me uh com- convince or give me death um that is by the Dead Kennedys up till 2017 or 2018. He'd never heard of them until Trivium covered one of their songs called Kill the Poor. That's me. Oh, that that sounds like that sounds like the Tories uh, manifesto. <laughs> Trivium or Tories? Matt Heafy there, the, the American singer-guitarist. You know, a little blue on his... I don't think the band the Tories. I think just <laughs> killing the poor is something the Tories yeah. would love to do. <laughs> I'd love uh, it if something somehow that would happen, and like the next Tory convention, they've accidentally booked Trivium to play live for them. That would be, be so funny. Didn't they once? Uh, uh, I think it was Boris Johnson played uh, D. Ream. Things can only get better, and the guy who uh, who was the, was essentially the band sued Boris Johnson. Said, "I don't give it. I do not give you the permission to use that song." <laughs> that was, so they um, had to backtrack it. But it was it was also used loads by Tony Blair. I, I, yeah. I, but I think he was allowed to use it a lot, wasn't yeah. he? So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh. Connor, Connor also says, and la- later, but I think he means last but not least, the album American Psycho by The Misfits, one of the greatest albums The Misfits ever produced. It's a banging album, and the title track is The Ice on the Cake. You know, Connor, uh, knowing what what Connor looks like, I would never have put put him as a as a aficionado of punk. So yeah, yeah he's got, he's got more many strings to his bow. As, uh, as Connor, uh, yeah, there you prop, go. Props for that, Connor. Props for that. Uh, and finally, on Twitter, we have one more from at Pigs Bladders. He says, "Judas by Fozzy." Now, I personally think it's an okay song, and when I did listen to their back catalogue, it was no better. But there's a ton of AEW fans who will argue it's an anthem, and for an entrance theme, it's up there. And that elevates it from okay, and all the rest are just shit. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't mind um, Judas, um, but I think he's right that it's not not, uh, Fozzie's best track. They did a track very early in, uh, in, in their repertoire called To Kill a Stranger. Uh, I think this was when Jericho was still with the WWE. Okay. Uh, 
and it was on a, an album called Happenstance because I remember him promoting the actual album on on Raw, and that is a banger of a song, but it's been warped essentially from Spotify. You can't even find that album on Spotify, uh, so I, I have no idea why. But yeah, I remember that song very well. It's a cracking song. When they first started as well, he played a character, didn't he? Yeah, essentially, it was, it was a, a Ozzy Osbourne tribute band at first. Mm. And, he, and he, he had a real silly name, like, I don't know, Clive Mongoose or something like that. Yeah, I, th- I think it was Mongoose. I don't know if it was Clive, yeah. but I think it was Mongoose. Malcolm <laughs> Mongoose or something like that. <laughs> Probably. Um, <laughs> I, love, I, I love that track by Fozzie. It's, fa- it's fantastic. But again, do I love it? Because when it came out, Jericho played it on his podcast, I reckon maybe twice a week. <laughs> or... Uh, and then obviously it's been big in AEW or do I like it because it's genuinely good that's a tricky one because I've listened back to other Fozzy albums and they're a bit up and down you know, they're another band I've seen live and again they're, they're pretty good live Jericho was very entertaining as you can imagine but I mean he came out at one point with the, the, the flashing jacket the, the light up illuminate oh, yeah, jacket yeah. and they killed all the lights in the, this tiny little club we were in and the, that came on and he was just stood on stage in the jacket and sang a song that was quite cool but uh I mean, the, the lasting memory of seeing Fozzy live was not Fozzy. It was bumping into Blaze Bailey from Iron Maiden. So that probably says a lot about Fozzy live, maybe. Yeah, perhaps. I would only go to a Fozzy concert if they played Break the Walls Down. It's not their song, no. I know, but uh, half of the people's songs aren't their songs. To <laughs> out of covers, but surely that could be your kind of like encore song for, for mm. Fozzie coming out to yeah. play Break the Walls Down or it could be the intro as they come on stage maybe or something yeah yeah Hardcore Superstar band from Sweden where the support act that's who I went to go see when Fozzie were touring the UK and they were they were fantastic they blew Fozzie off stage but that's a story for a different day Mr. Mags in the chat then do we have any more to scan through before we sort of put forward any thoughts of our own so Dan says the Fozzie cover of SOS is oh yes fantastic can't yes. say I've heard of that one um well, let me just scan back up. Uh, where are we at? So Dan also says, uh, Wheatus did a good cover of A Little Respect. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I think it was good. It, it was a cover. Certainly was a cover. Um, King's Pigs Badders says, yeah, uh, confirming that uh, okay. these were punk bands. And he also says, just play it. Uh, and Sharon says, no. No. <laughs> we get hit with a copyright. And we've been copyrighted before because of Sarah. Because of, yeah, Sharon is the the conscience of yes. the, the, the SJP World Media Network. She is a uh, the sensible one. Uh, Cam says a uh, great shout with uh, fluorescent adolescent. Yeah, Arctic Monkeys are a quality band. Um, Connor says the river featuring M Shadows from Avenged Sevenfold is a uh, uh, is great. Uh, good Charlotte song, very underrated. Oh, um, I know that one. The river, yeah, I can't say I've ever heard that. Dan says Alive is a, a, a great song, and Sharon says uh, she loves Alter Bridge. Uh, Bowling for Soup did a song called 1985, which was released in 2004, and if they did the equivalent now, <laughs> it would have to be called 2004. What, what great knowledge uh-huh. there from Dan. Uh, Dan says Follow Me should be um, Joe Gacy's uh, entrance music. Yeah, because he's, he's the whole kind of like um, cult leader character. Okay. Um, Cam says it's absolute class, but genuinely the album is shot. Yep. Uh, and Connor says, apologies for not understanding the assignment. 
Uh, the mum's the one that got me into punk, and I've loved ever since. No, no apologies necessary. It was sharing your your wealth of punk knowledge. Yeah, it was uh, there. You go. It added to the to the um, to the the show. So, so yeah, no worries about that. Uh, what about yourself, Magsy? Any that jump out in your mind? Um, Umbop by Hanson. Okay, banger you, you of a song. You you got you their extensive say- back catalog. No, I've, <laughs> I've listened to many other songs of theirs, but that was a banger. You, even if you you, you kind of don't like it now, that at the time that was a, a massive banger. And I can't really remember anything else that they did. Um, how about uh, the New Radicals? I'm sure they only had one hit with "You Get What You Give," but that was a bop. Apparently, the the guy from the New Radicals, he's he's a massive hit maker he writes like big hits for other people but they only ever had that that one big hit for himself okay um, nickelback um it's got to be how you remind me and it you, everything else of theirs is quite wank ah oh, see i would put forward the raw theme they did and rockstar those are two decent tracks as well um then i would probably say um, the song "A Beautiful Lie" is all right by um, <laughs> by Thirty Seconds why, why to Mars. Why do you do this? Why? But the rest is absolute tosh, really, isn't it? It's it's commercial wannabe rock at, at its very worst. Why do you do this? <laughs> <Really? What? laughs> I don't know what you mean. Just um, goading my wife. Sharon in the chat says, ass, ass, baby, by Vanilla Ass. I'm sure more comments are furiously being tapped in as we go. But one that probably stands out as as a song that I I don't know the lyrics, I don't understand the point of the song, but it's a a bop of a uh, song. Snow uh, did a song called Informer, and it's like this... He's uh, this white reggae guy from, like, I'm sure he's from Canada. <laughs> he he looks like a a specky vanilla ass. And the song right. is a bop. It's an absolute bop, yeah, but I've true. never heard anything else. And it's a bop just for the line where he talks about licking someone's bum bum down. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, they're, uh, they're some of the good songs by terrible artists. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Thirty seconds to Mars. Oh, for God's sake! I mean, up in the air is not bad. Okay, pause. you've literally you've literally just googled this while you're sat there, aren't you? It's <laughs> on that screen right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't turn around and say something stupid like "Wow, Ace of Spades" because the rest of it's crap and all that. Just just to try and wind me up. I'm, I'm, I, that that's just clutching at the law fruit. It's easy to. <laughs> Sharon's put, I'm going to start showing Sarah your questions. So then I, what I'll do is I'll, I'll send them to you when I know Sarah's in the, in, on the screen. thing is, I could read your questions <laughs> 10 minutes for the quiz. I would probably still get them wrong. <laughs> yeah, <that is> true. <laughs> uh, Sharon mentioned Alderbridge, and they are a hugely popular band, incredibly talented musicians. But barring, I think it's called Metalingus, the Edge one. Yeah. I've never got on with it. Which is weird because they're the type of band that, I, in my mind, I, I would normally enjoy. They tick a lot of boxes, but I've never got on with the rest of their back catalogue. You know, so yeah. I mean, if we're going on Edge ones as well, I mean, never going to stop by Rob Zombie. Mm. I like that song. Can't stand any other Rob Zombie. 
Just was not it, that uh, bad. Dragula? That's a good one. Nah, it's not. Okay. He's a bad, he's a, he's bad at, <laughs> uh, at music and bad at directing horror films as well. Yes, he is that indeed. Yes. Uh, I, I can't really think of any that's not already been shouted out, Maxi, to be fair. Oh, well, so let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> got a lot to cover <laughs> fair enough mate fair enough we have we have two wrestling matches to cover because the poll was a draw from you crazy bastards <laughs> out there in the cwf uh, so magsy shall we dive on into a little bit of wrestling talk a lot of wrestling talk here we go uh, let's get Okay, as I mentioned, the poll was a draw. So we look at both options this week. So I don't know how this is going to work. We might be a little bit condensed down with what we're talking about. I'm not sure, but we're still just clocking in just over an hour. So we've got a bit of time, Max. We've got a bit of time. We, we can give both these matches the analysis that they deserve. Right. Okay. Where would you like to start? Chronological order. Okay. So what does that mean? Time. Right, okay. So, King of the Ring, 1997. It is. I like that. Chronological order. Okay, what does that mean? Time. <laughs> uh, okay, King of the Ring, 1997, was my selection. And it was a match that I should have seen before. But I woke up one night, and it was playing on my TV. And I was like, this isn't WrestleMania 14. What is this? And it's Shawn Michaels taking on Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. And this is the... Uh, so there's only a few weeks t- uh, reign of theirs, wasn't it? Where they were both tag team champions. They were. Yeah, we, we mentioned it uh, in a, an episode a few weeks ago about Shawn Michaels uh, and not wanting to mm. be fair in dropping titles. And this was one of the times uh, he was a tag team champion. So one and uh, and didn't drop the titles fairly. Mm. Well, it's Brett's fault. It always is. Yeah, the night after this. Bret Hart randomly and brutally attacked Shawn Michaels backstage, pulled hair out of his, completely unprovoked as well. I Shawn cannot was sat there work his own... in these unsafe conditions. <laughs> Shawn was sat there minding his own business, you know, probably doing his charity work and uh, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> no, Shawn was an absolute asshole, wasn't he? Let's be honest. But yeah, the following night, uh, before Raw went on air, Shawn and Bret got into that famous backstage fight. Shawn lost some handfuls of hair and he went home. So that kind of put pay to this t- this odd couple tag team that mm-hmm. was kind of brought together by both of them having a mutual enemy in the Heart Foundation. Yes. Which united them, even though they didn't really get along. And from what I remember of that, that, that period, Michaels would come back from an injury or losing his smile or having a, you know, getting his nails done or whatever Sean was up to at the time. And was in this tag team with Austin, randomly one night on Raw, and they won the tag titles, yeah. but there's still the rivalry there, which led to this match here between them. Now, I think this is a really, really well-told story because I don't think you want either guy in your tag team champions when they face off against each other to come out looking much stronger than the other. You've also got Michaels, who was incredibly paranoid and uh, manipulative about holding on to his, his spot at the top of the card. So he had Vince's ear, as everyone knows, and probably someone else had Vince's, but we won't go into that right now. And we had Austin, who is on the rise, and the commentary team talk about this on this event here, saying we don't understand why he's so popular. We don't understand why he's getting cheered, but he is. So 
it almost feels like they kind of booked themselves into a bit of a corner here with not it's, it's a struggle to make sure they both come out of this looking well but i looking good looking strong but i think they do quite a good job magazine yeah uh and we i suppose you've got to take into account that austin won the the king of the ring the previous year um because of the actions of, of Shaw Michaels, Triple H and, and the whole curtain call incident. So I think they they knew who they were going to go for as the winner. Uh, I, I have a feeling that perhaps Austin was meant to win this King of the Ring and that Triple H was meant to win last year's King of the Ring because yes. we've, we've spoken about how Austin 316 uh, is made out to be this... Uh, he uh, he said the the whole um, uh, promo, and then all of a sudden he was a massive star. And we know that that's just not the case. It, it's eighteen months before he he wins that title. Mm. Now him winning the ninety seven uh, King of the Ring, then going on to WrestleMania fourteen the next year and being champion, that makes a lot more sense. So I think it was a case of roles reversed, but you still want to keep Austin hot. He is uh, he is slowly coming to the boil, becoming one of the biggest stars. Um, and then, like you said, Shawn Michaels did. Um, he was paranoid about his spot, so you you have to keep him strong. And what's the best way to do that? Dusty finish. Absolutely mm. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I mean, with regards to Michaels being paranoid about his spot and so on, obviously he the you read his book and you hear interviews with him and other people talking about that time as well. He was the number one babyface on top of the card for '96. Uh, and was the world champion and so on. And ratings were in the toilet, you know, mm-hmm. were in the toilet and so on. But I mean, it was, it was across the board wrestling from, you know, the mid nineties, it was on a downward slope. So you can understand why that might play on his mind. You also take into the fact, you know, take into consideration, sorry, the guy was pilled off his tits, like 9% of the time, <laughs> paranoid and so on. And then they had this backstage thing going with Brett as well and all that. But to me, it's a real shame because, all that stuff was going on in Sean's mind, a great deal of it, his own making and his own fault with his own behavior. But in ring as a performer, I think through probably 96 into the first half of 97, I think Sean was the best performer in the world. Yeah. Or at least that's to be made. Imagine what he would have been like if he wasn't inside his own head and he wasn't, uh, this paranoid. He, he was already, I mean, aside from Bret Hart, who you could probably say would was keeping uh, up with him in terms of technical uh, ring skill, Shawn Michaels was head and shoulders one of the best performers uh, mm. in in the world. Yeah, it's 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 mind blowing what he could have achieved had he not been his own worst enemy at times. Yeah, and I think the key there is when when you rightfully say Maxi performer. Because mm-hmm. in 96, going into 97, you did have fantastic wrestlers, of course. I mean, Rey Mysterio on the other channel uh, for Nitro was, in my opinion, people need to go back and look at Rey Mysterio in 96, wrestling on Nitro and so on. The guy was groundbreaking. He was insanely good. Argument for him to be up there as one of the best wrestlers in the world. Dean Malenko was superb in WCW mm-hmm. at this time. One of the best wrestlers in the world. Brett, of course, we all know how good Brett High is. We haven't got to sing that guy's praises anymore because he is so good. One of the best wrestlers in the world. As a performer, though, I mean, Sean could do... Sean was working singles. Sean was working tags. Sean spent time as a heel, as a babyface, mm-hmm. on the microphone, uh, and all this sort of stuff. I don't. I think as an all-round performer, he was 
top dog to me. Yeah. There's very few wrestlers who can have a, a five-star level match with absolutely anyone. Yes. And Shawn Michaels is on that list. Yeah, exactly. Um, I like the beginning of this because we see Austin walking backstage, mm-hmm. going through gorilla position, through the curtain, and you see a few people dotted around, like Pat Patterson's there and so on. And he's carrying the tag title belt as well, which I know he's had tag title runs with here and obviously Triple H and so on. But I don't picture Austin with that belt. So that was quite a nice look as well. Yeah. But there's commotion and chaos backstage as he's making his way to the ring for his match bags, isn't there? Yeah, because we are... Uh, and this is... This, I thought, was really well done uh, in terms of production. Um, we know WWE now as, as kind of, in terms of production, as being incredibly polished. But this kind of gritty, um, peak behind the curtain um, era, I thought was 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 really really well done because you've you've got uh, where the Heart Foundation have just finished doing a promo, kind of setting up for uh, the Canadian Stampede pay per view. And then you've got Austin walking to the ring and the, that promo is, it's just wrapping up and you see the kind of, uh, the, the animosity between the art foundation and Austin and Austin just didn't give a shit. There were five blokes there and he, if it wasn't for the referees, they would have absolutely dogpiled him and, and beat the living piss out of him. But he just flashes the, the finger uh, winds him up and carries on to the ring. It's amazing. Yeah. I, I really it thought it was it was really well done. Really good, great production. It, it's it's a sense of realism for me. <laughs> you say about the production levels of WWE and, and and how well even to this day how smooth and polished everything can be, but this did feel gritty and real. And I think that's what sets it aside. I think it was really really well done. Yeah, and and then I think it kind of gets ruined a little bit because you have Austin going to the ring. Um, and then Shawn Michaels does a backstage interview before he yeah. comes out, which, yeah, it, it kind of, for me, that it, it's, it was, it just kind of took the edge of the, of the, the match away for me, or at least the start of the match, because you've got Austin essentially stood there twiddling his thumbs while Shawn Michaels mm. uh, has a, an interview, which it, it takes away that kind of, excitement a little bit for oh this this is happening this is a match that's gonna have be be kicking off and then you've got to wait for Shawn Michaels to finish his promo and and that interview as well was a real weird one for me because mm-hmm. he's he's asked about the match and is is he concerned about the, the future of his tag team and the tag team titles and he's asked a few different questions and he basically just kind of goes I don't know I yeah. don't know are we gonna have a good match I don't know what's gonna happen I don't know I gotta go now bye bye yeah. It was really, really weird. It wasn't Sean. I mean, sometimes Sean's a dick in interviews, but he has that Sean Michaels swagger, that kind of brash over the top daftness to him. There was none of that either for me. It was just, it was no. almost like he just, he was just wasn't Fall- there mentally. Yeah. Falling in. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Uh, his entrance as well was a bit similar to this. We didn't get the normal sort of boisterous, energetic Shawn Michaels entrance. He spends a lot more time strolling to the ring rather than, you know, dancing and so on. But he does take the time to sort of high five a lot of the, the fans and, and whatever go on his way down to the, down to the ring and gets pulled into the, uh, the crowd at one moment, fans grabbing hold of him, not letting him go. And you can see the smile on his face. He loved that. He's thinking, yeah, yeah. I am over. He, that, that was a big ego. They love me. These are my people. Yeah, Austin. exactly. <laughs> Lots of little kids dressed up as him as well, which on one hand I think is, is, is lovely as a, as a fan on the other side of the coin, 
Shawn Michaels used to dress with dangly earrings and a chainmail top and arseless chaps. Dressing your kid up like that is a bit weird. Yeah. And I'm not a fan of it. There's a, on some of the, the, the very early roars, um, there's, um, there's an advert for the WF, the music album, and it's got loads of little kids dressing up as their favorite stars. And there's a Shawn Michaels one. And then there's a Goldust one. Which, oh, uh, oh yeah. dear. Yeah. It's on the nose. Yeah, not good luck. Um, very early on, we see a young lad mm-hmm. in the corner, and and this, the way this is done and filmed and so on, they they semi ignore it. They catch bits on the camera, but they don't. It's also that if this was a plant or anything like that, they would be focusing on this a lot more. I feel. Mm-hmm. But this young lad who I, I think he's, um, he's got Down syndrome, I believe they say he's from the Special Olympics. I think yeah. something like that. Um, JR says he thinks that the guy, the young lad fell over the barrier. Yeah. So he got okay. into a sort of ringside area, so to speak. He fell over the barrier, but he did also try and get in the ring. Yes. Yes. He was, um, you, you see him try and slide into the ring and then the, the, uh, the security, uh, pull him away. And we're, we're calling Sean Michaels for his attitude, but props to Michaels. He goes over and, uh, uh, attempts to 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 calm the the the, mm. the lad down because it's obviously very overwhelming. Uh, like you said, he's got Down syndrome, um, being kind of almost manhandled by these. Uh, oh yeah, these I think he's rushed up. I think the security yeah. guard seemed quite heavy-handed. Austin uh, kind of signals to show Michaels to go and help, and and Michaels Julia obliges, uh, and they walk him down the aisle, and, and I assume when they got backstage. Someone like Vader beat the living piss out of him because that's <laughs> that's what WWE WWF did in wow. those days. But no, I hope I hope they they train really well and props to Michaels for mm. for that. Absolutely, yeah, that was nice to see. That was nice to see. Uh, we begin with a lot of actual wrestling, which I quite liked. Mm. We have a lot of headlock takeovers and my, uh, Austin trying to counter them by getting Michaels up on the corner, but Michaels would run the ropes and go back into the headlock and so on. Uh, there's a stiff elbow elbow by Austin here that sends Michaels flying, and then Austin does the bicep pose, he and does. that that I loved. That was so good. It, this was it, for me felt like a little callback to um, stunning Steve Austin, the technical wrestler mm. from yeah. from AWA and WCW, and then kind of like a little bit into the ringmaster. Obviously, Austin with the, with his injuries had to become more of a brawler, but he he could still keep pace with someone as technically skilled as Shawn Michaels, and he, he mm. definitely has wrestling chops. Yeah, it was a great. There was some really good sections of rope running, some good sections of chain wrestling. Yeah, this was a, a good start to this match. Yeah, uh, you mentioned there about keeping pace. That is something that I I, I think runs throughout the whole match. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. there are moments where we we apply rest holds. There's a lengthy chin lock spot from Austin, and so on, but. When they kick up that that extra gear, I suppose they go go they they'll step up a little bit further. Yeah, the pace these two show w- with the the running of the ropes, their drop downs, their leapfrogs, and so on. It was very very quick, wasn't it, Magsy? Yeah, there's a, there's one spot where they uh, essentially uh, uh, running the ropes and and doing all the, all the the things you said, leapfrogs and stuff like that, uh, and then they switch directions and and Austin's timing to hit a Luthers press. It was so crisp, really, really well done. Uh, yeah, some great uh, chain wrestling. I've, I really like 
wrestling like that where it's almost going for one-upsmanship like oh i'm better than you kind of like getting to each other's head and yeah it's, it was just really entertaining to watch knowing what austin's style would end up being yeah it was good to to see him be technical Yes, definitely. Uh, both are sent outside by their opponents in turn. That seems to be a theme that runs throughout the match quite a bit, to be fair, mm-hmm. with the, the bumps kind of escalate as well. They get more more dramatic, higher and, and further as they're sent to the outside uh, before Austin effectively challenges Michaels to a test of strength. And as soon as he's got them tied up, he, gets, he kicks him in the gut because, yeah. you know, Cla- why not? Classic heel wrestler. <laughs> but he gets a big cheer for it as well. This is the thing. You can really see the crowd. The crowd love Michaels. The crowd, he is hugely popular here. So Austin naturally gets some booze for certain things he does. But then there's another section of the crowd that are really popping positively for Austin as well. I thought it was a really interesting dynamic with the audience here. Yeah, and I suppose the two are in a a weird spot in terms of of heel and face dynamic because Austin is obviously going up against the the Heart Foundation, who are healing it up to uh, to the hills but Austin mm. is also this anti-hero um flashing the the flipping the bird to everyone but yet getting massive baby face cheers and then you've got Shawn Michaels the white meat baby face so yeah it's a a weird position for him to be in where Austin should be drawing booze but also should be drawing uh cheers so yeah, yeah. I, I understand what you mean that there's there's kind of like a, a little se- section of the crowd that want to be Austin, but a lot of them absolutely love him, and yeah. he's getting a lot of uh, a lot of cheers. And the fact that, again, like I said earlier on, that, that's acknowledged by McMahon on commentary, saying <laughs> we don't know why they're cheering him, but they, they, he seems to be gaining popularity. What I thought was really interesting hearing Vince himself say that on air as well, acknowledging what, what the crowd were doing was quite was quite interesting because quite often he will ignore what the crowd want and say, "No, you're having what I want to give you." So yeah, that was that was intriguing. Uh, both guys miss elbow drops in quick succession, and then a cameraman takes a bit of a tumble when Austin runs the ropes. I uh, don't think that that was planned because no. that that cameraman fell in slow motion, and you yep. could you can guarantee Vince was living. If Vince was uh, a gorilla, he would have been going living. Switch camera now. Yeah, he just it's a shot of the lights as this guy goes flying. Oh, brilliant stuff. Um, Sean is sent over the top again onto the outside and that's where we kind of get austin taking more control for for a mm-hmm. lengthier period i think yeah. and he you know, we, we see lots of punches kicks clotheslines elbow drops the, the chin lock spots come into it as well uh, before austin starts removing the mats on the outside to reveal the concrete floor yeah and he's going through a, a little phase where he's kind of working Shawn Michaels net there's a uh, there's points mm. where he's uh he's got him strung over the top rope he throws uh Michaels net first into the railing so yep. yeah Austin's really kind of looking to to injure Shawn Michaels in this part yes uh he ends up sending Shawn Michaels into the steps that looked quite a nasty bump because the crash mm-hmm. mat was kind of up against it so we michaels didn't get a clear run for that spot and kind of just went wallop into it and splatted i suppose uh before he's kind of press slammed i guess overhead press slammed michaels um by austin onto the onto the concrete floor yeah that that kind of looked a little bit jank almost dropped him yeah basically onto the concrete yeah 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 uh they get back into the ring 
and Michaels gets a near fall with a small package out of nowhere before Austin gets a near fall with a second rope elbow drop as well. And even though I know how this match ended up, both of those near near falls, both of those close finishes got me. I was a bit like, oh, okay. There's there's um there's one in between them as well where Shawn Ma- uh, Michaels is hit with a heavy clothesline that right. almost, that Austin nearly takes his head off with it and that gets, <laughs> so there's quite a few like uh, uh, near falls in, in this little section but mm. you know, this is where the I, I don't want to say the pace picked up because they did have a quite a fast pace at the beginning but the the intensity started yeah. ramping up. Yeah, and what what I noticed as well, obviously injuries would take its toll on on Steve Austin. But here, pre most injuries, he bumps like a wild man, doesn't he? And that was something he was notorious for in WCW as well. He would work very yeah. hard to make his opponent. And that's what Sean's whole career is basically built upon, how he would bump and make people look good. So when you've got two guys doing this, when you mentioned the clothesline that he takes Michael's head off, the bump that he takes from that, and it just, each move seems to get more and more intense, I think. It's, it's really good to watch. Um, yes. Sean then kind of goes through a few of the hits. We have the flying forearm, the nip up. Uh, the atomic drop and so on. But he then runs into the corner with a shoulder block. Austin moves and he hits the post. Uh, that gets a two count as well. And we'll get this. There's near falls galore at this point. And I really like this. Whenever we whenever we talk about wrestling, I say this is something that I, I, that I enjoy. When you see both guys going for pinfall after pinfall after pinfall. Yeah. Getting those because they're trying the win. to win. Exactly. Yeah, it's exactly. so simple, but it makes sense. And then we start coming to the schmozzy finish at the end with a, with, I think we have, uh, like, I think I counted 87 ref bumps, Max, at the end there. I think 87 may be a stretch, uh, <laughs> but I do get your point. It, it got silly, let's just mm. say. It did. It did. We have a ref bump and uh, Shawn Michaels then with the ref in the corner, it goes for switching music, which is countered into the stunner which was almost like a slow motion version of the finish they yeah, used for WrestleMania 14. It, I, I, I think at this time, Austin hasn't quite got the the um, the transition of the stunner mm. in, yeah. uh, down pat because he does kind of fumble getting the, the, the opponent's head into place uh, and then dropping. Later on in his career, he'd be able to hit it instantly straight away, the mm. kick and the, and the drop uh, pretty seamlessly. But here he does fumble about a little bit. Yeah, just a bit. Uh, there's no referee, though, as we mentioned. Austin's got the match won, but there's no ref, so he goes to get the ref, and I'm assuming pick him up, dust him down, make sure he's okay so he can count the pinfall. But no, Austin just stuns that fucker too. Why the hell yeah. not? I mean, I didn't get the point in in that. I mean, yeah, he could be pissed off that he's, he's missed his chance at uh, getting the, the pin, but Usually, like you said, they, they pick up the ref, dust him off, go mm. for another pin, and we get a, a two count and the match carries on. I don't get, I mean, we know now why uh, Austin had to hit the referee for the for the, the eventual finish. But yeah, it just at the time men, makes no sense. Why yeah. would he stun the referee? That? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Michaels hits switching music at this point and mm-hmm. has the match won on his side. Another referee comes down, but rather than count the pinfall attempt, checks on the first referee. So Shawn Michaels gets up. I, I would assume to turn around and say, excuse me, Mr. Referee, uh, <laughs> no. I'm attempting a pinfall over here. Could you please come and count to three for me? But no, Shawn just kicks the guy in the face. So <laughs> that makes zero sense as well. That's it. Two ref bumps, zero sense med. Yeah. 
Yes, indeed. Um, a third referee comes down. And it, it, it's, it's the douchebag referee himself, Earl Hebner. Yeah, and he basically throws the match out at this point. But I thought rather comically, he tries to explain to both guys in turn why what, he's throwing them why out. Why he done it? So and he's saying to Austin, you grabbed him and gave him a stunner, but he's mimicking the stunner. And then he turns to Michaels and says, you kicked him in the face and does potentially the worst effort at a super kick I've ever seen it, anyone do. It, in a it, it, does a, it does a Mick Foley style uh, sweet shin music. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but what what baffled me was, why did Earl Hebner not get beat up? Because Tim Watt was, was in a ref bump. He got uh, squashed in the corner by Austin. And then Austin stunned him for his troubles. <laughs> Mark Yoda came out to check on, on one of his uh, work colleagues, got super kicked for his troubles. Earl Hebner tells both of them, you guys are not going to win this year's King of the Ring. Uh, I'm disqualifying you both. Walks away absolutely scot-free. No, why did they not beat the living piss out of Earl Hebner? Yeah, they could have done loads of like double team moves. They could have given him like a doomsday device or anything like that, couldn't they? Uh, and and then we get to to the end. There's a, a still a bit of brawling and, and things like that. Um, and and then when they're walking down the ring, there's a, there's almost an air of mutual respect. Oh, like I love these, this though. Like these two had the match had uh, had made them change their opinion of each other. Mm. Uh, there was still a little bit of weariness like Austin didn't want to take his eyes off Shawn Michaels in case Shawn Michaels tried to attack him but it, they, they seemed to be a little bit more yeah you when you're down in the weeds you you can fight so mm. yeah I, I didn't the way they the way they walked out though and Austin was Austin starts to walk and he's a yard or two ahead of Michaels and then suddenly stops turns back around and goes no no, no you go first yeah and then Michaels is like, no, no, you go first. So they kind of walk, not quite side by side. Michaels is like half a step behind. And, and Austin is walking shoulder. like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was so well done. I thought that was really yeah. good. Uh, okay, so there we go. Out of 10, Maxi, what are you thinking? Oh, I thought this was a great match. Mm. Um, really enjoyable. Um, the the finish lets it down, but I understand the point of the finish. It was to, to get both people out of the tournament and still look strong as they were both champions. So an eight, an easy eight for me. Oh, okay. I got eight as well. Absolutely same. Yeah. Again, uh, it, the match itself, has got the potential to be a nine or even higher. It's that good. And it's they the go, finish. yeah, they go best part of half an hour as well. They tell a fantastic story and the story carries on with the way they leave the ring as well, which I suppose you wouldn't get if the finish wasn't what it was, <laughs> but, and I don't like marking matches down, because of the finish when it's part of a longer term storyline because it's it's, it's yeah, a stepping stone yeah. for something in the future but i can't give a match that ends on a dq a nine or a nine and a half that, i yeah. can't do that so yeah i mean in in retrospect i can and i understand why that dq was there um it was Triple H's year. He was winning King Ring. These two were the tag team champions. There was the underlying story with the Hart Foundation, and both guys uh, and, uh, were kind of still in the mix with that. And then you've got the potential of these two um, headlining a, a big event in the near future. So you don't want one of them having more um, buzz or, or, or more momentum than the other. So, yeah, it does make sense. But at the time, watching it, 
you think, yeah, this is a, a smart finish. And, yeah. yeah. But the fact that we both still scored it so highly, despite the fact we literally just sat and criticised the, the silly amount of ref bumps and it makes no sense. I mean, it shows how good the previous 28 minutes or ish actually yeah, are. Absolutely. The, the in-ring work uh, was was really, really well done. Really well done. Um hmm. We got flashes of of classic Austin. We got flashes of of, of the new the newer Austin, uh, and Shawn Michaels is Shawn Michaels. He's always, he's going to put on a great match regardless. Um, so yeah, I mean you can't score this up. You can't say this is a poor match. It's just a poor finish. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Okay then. Uh, also, the other end of the pole, which finished fifty fifty, WrestleMania twenty one, and I suppose the conclusion of our. So, trip down memory oh, lane. Yeah. Kind of dominated chain wrestling. Considering the the, the sort of the, the the ethos of the show is to be quite random and jump around all over the place, and you can make these links to wherever you want to go. Two thousand and five WWE has kind of dominated this last well, best yeah, part wait, of a month. Wait, wait till I put forward Backlash two thousand and five Batista versus Triple H two. Oh, you can get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Main event of WrestleMania twenty one. We have Batista having just left evolution which we covered on the show previously mm-hmm. going up against the big nasty heel champion triple h maxi when was the last time you saw this has it been T- recently today. Not, uh, today fuck me every fucking week <laughs> um <laughs> before watching it back for the show i think it's the last been a, one a couple of years ago it's not one on the like really regular rotation but i, I like the intros of this match for two different reasons. So I've watched it quite a few times uh, over the years. Um, okay. Yeah. Intros to this match with regards to what? The the cry, the, the, the entrances? Yeah, the ring entrances. So you've got yeah. um, Triple H coming from underneath the ring whilst Motorhead and Lemmy essentially make up new lyrics for, for his uh, theme song. <laughs> but it's that is the epitome of, of what a, a live rendition of, of a theme tune should be mm. i mean we've had some awful ones but this this was quality yeah. as, as someone who's not even a, that much of a motorhead fan this was quality and then you get batistas uh which first of all i don't like champions coming out first but i get the point you've got the whole uh big motorhead uh thing but batistas is it's uh, memorable for a totally different reason. It's the fact he does the machine gun, like lean down, but he doesn't get any pyro and he just looks like a proper pillock doing it. (laughs) He looks like a kid in the playground playing with the fake guns. Pow, 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 pow. You know, so triple H gets this badass entrance with it, with the, the band singing his song loud and Batista essentially is doing what Xavier Woods did backstage when Batista was coming out in a in a, a future match, he had to cosplay as Batista. <laughs> uh, the, the Motorhead uh, thing for me, I forgot it happened at this WrestleMania because my mind always goes to WrestleMania 17 when mm-hmm. it happened there. So I forgot it happened here. So when I clicked on the, the WWE Network and Motorhead were there, I was like, oh, fantastic. And the way that he comes up between uh, Lemmy <coughs> and Phil Campbell on guitar, and he's got that big gold belt and the lights are shining. Oh, I bet you had a so... fucking stiffer. That, oh, was, that was, was all you sad. love about wrestling and music, isn't it? <laughs> you've got head, you've got uh, hard rock music, and then you've got that big gold belt. 
Oh, Jesus tick so many boxes. The only yeah. way it could have been any better is if it was Barry Wyndham coming up through the stage. <laughs> In a stalker costume with a moustache and, and camouflage. That would have been perfect. Don't make me laugh, you prick. My throat. Um, <laughs> the issue apparently that I have with Motorhead sometimes is when they're playing live, Lemmy just keeps trying to go faster and faster and faster. Yeah, and I think you can notice it. Yeah, yeah, I think you can. I think you can find you can see that a little bit in this performance because he's playing faster and faster. Um, <laughs> Phil Campbell's going faster and faster as well on guitar. And he then can't fit the lyrics in to the pieces of music that's supposed to coincide with because he's playing it, it faster than he should be. To be fair, even if he played it at normal speed, he didn't remember the lyrics. He was literally yeah. winging it and making it up. It's brilliant. I'm pretty certain it's this entrance as well not the wrestlemania 17 one i think it's this one that bruce pritchard tells a fantastic story about on his podcast he says that literally two, two or three minutes before they're due to have the match the video packages are running and all this sort of stuff batista's ready at the curtain they've got triple h over to where he needs to be they've set motorhead up uh, and let me apparently just turns around and goes where's my bass no one knows where his bass wow. guitar is he lent it against the wall to go and get a drink or do something came back and his base and his base wasn't there oh. Some, somebody had apparently took it to the stage for him but he they apparently bruce pritchard uh pat patterson and so on were running around backstage like lunatics looking for lemmy's bass guitar oh, i bet their <laughs> asses dropped <laughs> could you imagine if he just stood there with no bass like mm, i don't you know <laughs> i mean jarrett could have lent him uh, an acoustic one yeah this is true this is true he could have joined in <laughs> in the background spend like, my money when it's hard. <laughs> uh, ah there we go right the, the match starts how you'd expect i suppose with two massive proper heavyweight wrestlers yeah facing off in the main event of wrestlemania this is a vince mcmahon product all over Wank here yeah. yes it's two huge guys tying up pushing against each other trying to display who's the strongest who's the most powerful and so on they trade a few shoulder blocks and knockdowns and the crowd pop when batista sends him triple h to the floor and i mean it's just a, a display of power to start max isn't it it is um very slow very methodical mm. very deliberate you it, it had the all the hallmarks of this being a 20 minute classic match it started mm. off really slowly. Um, one thing that kind of threw me off was was the fact that Triple H looked shocked when he was overpowered by Batista, but that was the whole point of Batista. That was the whole reason why he was in Evolution in the first place. So that mm. always kind of... Magsy freezing a little bit there. Oh, uh, apologies. Uh, uh, you're back. You're back. I can hear you. And uh, no, he's gone. Okay, no worries. Yeah, the 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 display of power by the pair, you know, it is stereotypical of this kind of match, I suppose. The 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 size of them, and Magsy saying there as well that Triple H were, it was odd him acting surprised when he's overpowered. To me, it's not just a case of the fact that he was Evolution's animal and he's this massive, huge, muscular guy, and his whole game was based upon power. You just look at the look at the two as well. Batista was over three hundred pounds. Triple H was what two sixty something like that or what they were billed as anyway and the frame of i mean triple h is a monster a massive massive man but just looking at the two you'd think batista would be the most powerful surely that would make sense but anyway triple h takes control 
relatively early on, as you'd imagine. And the match does sort of follow a, a format that you would expect with regards to this, I suppose. Triple H is in control for a great deal of it. We get Batista attempting comebacks that are cut short quite often throughout the match. And uh, Maxi's back. <laughs> I'm in there as terrible as ever. No, I can hear you crystal clear, my friend, and I'm glad you're back. I was just saying to the CWF that Triple H takes control pretty early on after this power exchange. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it is, Which makes as sense. you meant, absolutely yeah, makes sense. Yeah. And it is, as you said, very slow and methodical. And I, when I first watched this, I watched it live when it was first aired. I can remember being disappointed with this match. Okay. I can remember thinking it fell flat for me. Uh, but at the same time, on this card, you had Shawn Michaels, Kurt Angle, two of my all-time favorites, and it's one of my all-time favorite matches. So I think nothing was really going to live up to what I'd seen earlier in the night, and it yeah. would have been 4 or 5 a.m. or whatever, you know? So what, watching the hook card as a whole, yeah, you, you're emotionally drained from yes. the matches beforehand. But watching this um, on its own, uh, you don't have that. You're going no. into this fresh uh, and... I think this as a match on its own absolutely makes sense the way it's paced, especially in the in the in the the beginning. Um I think I think it's a really well paced match. You've got to remember you're playing to the strengths of uh Batista, who is still very green. Yeah, he's he's he looks the part, but he's still quite uh new in his in his wrestling career. Uh so Triple H has to essentially ring general for him uh it, it makes sense that they they start slow um and, and and kind of build to a crescendo yeah it i remember at the time uh is my internet coming through okay i think so. yeah the signal's going yeah yeah okay. <laughs> uh, yeah okay the i remember at the time reading probably in like paraslam magazine or something like that or people reviewing this that it went too long and that's not that's something that Triple H would have wanted to have done, but it doesn't suit Dave Batista when you want them to come in, not necessarily Goldberg esque, smash them in ninety seconds, but Batista's there to run through people. That would have that would have played to his strengths. Mm-hmm. So this match, in theory, went too long, and that's what took away from it at the time. And that um, really really sticks out in my mind because it was it's one of the first times I remember as as a fan really considering how important the length of a match was. And that's why it sticks in my mind about this match. Okay. I mean, I, I can understand that, that mindset, but for, for me, uh, I, I think I've got to disagree with that. I think, okay. first of all, you're looking at the main event of WrestleMania. Yes. This, yes. this, this has to be the, the match that everybody's talking about afterwards. Yeah, you'll get people on the car before and wanting to steal the show, as it were, but this is the marquee match. So to have a five, ten-minute headline, it's a damp squib. Um, then you've got to uh, put into mind the build-up to this was about Triple H being the man, being mm-hmm. the guy. He had Ric Flair by his side, essentially passing on that baton of being uh, the, the dirtiest player in the game. And it's also, for love him or hate him, uh, and especially this kind of Triple H uh, reign of terror, um, you he you can't just run over Triple H in, in five minutes. No, no. He's he's essentially the guy. So uh, it, Batista has to come into this like it's a final boss. Um, uh, 
So I think uh, uh, a very quick match weakens Triple H and it kind of robs Batista of of the of becoming that guy. Mm-hmm. I think Batista taking the best of Triple H and 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 still coming out on top. I think that made Batista look stronger if if uh, if that's at all possible. The fact that Triple H was at his very best and Batista was still able to to beat him rather than Batista coming in running roughshod uh Triple H getting very little uh, in terms of offensive and Batista winning. That's, I think, squashing Triple H like that would have not uh, done Batista uh, a, a, as much justice as as going through a, a twenty minute brawl with uh, with Trips did. So I understand the rhetoric be, behind people thinking it it should have been shorter, but I I don't agree. I think maybe shave a couple of minutes off. But having it to a five ten minute squash, no, I don't agree yeah. with that. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I think you're right. I also reckon that with, with the way this was structured, Batista, literally not just in the storyline, which is what made this match for me, but the match itself, bell to bell, he had a lot to overcome. We we had the interference from Flair that we're going to discuss mm-hmm. in a moment, no doubt, and you know the the belt shots and the chair and the steps and all lots of stuff went on in the match that he had to overcome to finally get the, get the deal done, so to speak. So I think that works quite well as well. Sort of fighting from underneath, doesn't it really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as we were saying before, we had a few internet issues and sort of went off into the weeds a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Triple H is in control of the match. Flair spends a lot of time choking Batista whenever mm-hmm. the referee's back is turned. Very old school heel manager tactics, but Hey, it works. It's so Flair. Really, you know, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Batista gets drove into the barrier on the outside and the ring apron mm-hmm. quite a few times here. And those shots to his back looked vicious. And that then leads us to what Triple H almost, it's almost like what his game plan is, Max, isn't it? He starts working the back, doesn't he? Yeah. The biggest, the biggest muscles on, on Batista. If you can kind of hinder um, the power moves of Batista, mm-hmm. you, you take away his greatest weapon. So it absolutely yeah. makes sense. And he is the cerebral assassin after all. So it, 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 it's absolutely in his wheelhouse to focus on uh, a, re- a body part and, and kind of injure his opponent and, and like hinder the match. So yeah, makes sense. Mm. It does indeed. Um, Batista does sort of try and mount a fight back, might mount a comeback at one stage, literally just based upon throwing right hands. Mm-hmm. But when you're a guy that size, that works. It, it's like and- throwing a sledgehammer. Exactly, exactly. But he's cut off quite quickly with a, a spine buster from Triple H. Uh, we go back outside again, and Triple H is setting up the, the ring steps for... I am think he's teeing up a pedigree, Max, isn't he? I think that's what he's going for. Yeah, um, he takes the, the top uh, two steps off. Usually, that, they're the two that will be smashed into the the, the head of the opponent, but he's uh, moving the, the steps into a pretty... A specific position because he's got to give enough room for the spot that's coming up. Yes, and that's a a counter by Batista to slingshot uh, Triple H into the ring post. So then we get you know Triple H paying homage to Flair, his idol, by pissing blood everywhere. So and that was quite graphic. Props to Triple H. I rewatched this uh, this part uh, two or three times, and I couldn't find the blade job. 
Okay. It's really well done. I mean, with Flair, he literally comes up to the camera and just scratch, scratch, scratch. Uh, but with Triple H, obviously, he's going for the pedigree. Uh, Batista powers out of it, gets the the, the double leg takedown. Uh, and then Triple H is essentially led on this uh, this base of the stairs. He's then uh, slingshotted into the into the, the the post. Now Triple H's hand stops Triple H's head from hitting the post, so we know it's not uh, a hard way um, mm-hmm. uh, blade, uh, a hard way uh, bleed. But there has to be a point where he's he's done the blade job, but I couldn't make it out. Now I assume it's uh, the blade was in the the wrist the wrist tape because that's the only part that makes contact with his head because he's bleeding instantly. As soon as he comes away from that uh, that ring post, he's uh, walking around the ring very dazed, almost like he's out of it, uh, concussed, and he's like you said, he's pissing blood. He has got a crimson mask. Um, so yeah, that's that's a a well done blade job by Trips. Yeah, very good, very good. And we get some great visuals then, don't we? Triple H bleeding on the mat, blood pouring down his chest. The, the Batista best one. Punching and clotheslining. Batista, before they get back in the ring, Batista slams Triple H's head into the, into the stairs. And you just see just pools of blood every time he makes impact with him. Yeah, it's a great visual. Triple H bleeds really well. And then when they're in the ring, um, Batista's literally punching him or forearming him in 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 uh, basically the in the wound, and Ric Flair's trying to stop Batista doing it, and he's eyeballing Ric Flair whilst doing it. It's really it's brilliant. Yeah, it's like, very well done. This is for you, Rick Wallop. <laughs> very well done indeed. Uh, we have a near fall from a power slam from Batista. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we then get the, the chair coming involved and a bit more shenanigans with ref bumps and stuff on the outside, Maxi, don't we? Uh, talk yeah. us talk us through this here. Yeah, so uh, we we Triple H goes to use the chair. The ref takes it away from him, which is the setup for Ric Flair to uh, attempt to hit um, Batista with the with the world heavyweight title. He eats a brilliant spam buster. I mean, Batista yes. drills Ric Flair uh, in, in, into the into the uh, the ring, uh, but that gives um, Triple H the opportunity to to get the belt. He levers Batista with it, and this is where, if I hadn't already known what the match was, this is where you would expect the win to come because mm-hmm. it's perfectly set up. Um, uh, yeah, so a really well done spot. I think he gets a, a, a two count for that. Um, then uh, we see Triple H try and take advantage, and he gets hit with a spam buster as well. Just destroys uh, Triple H with it. Really well, well done spam buster. That's one thing about Batista. He hits a good spam buster. Yes, yes. Uh, he, he's then going for the Batista bomb, isn't he? That's the next thing he's setting up for. The referee mm-hmm. is still you know, not looking in the right direction or still out somewhere. Uh, so that allows Triple H to hit a low blow to escape the Batista bomb. <clears throat> Excuse me. And <laughs> Batista then powers out of a pedigree. For the now, second time. I was not too big a fan of this. Yeah, I mean, it makes Batista look like a beast. I, mm-hmm. I get your point. There's other ways to get out of a pedigree, but then we've seen those other ways. Yeah, yeah. This, true, yeah. this was this was pretty new. It makes Batista look like a, the animal that he's been portrayed as. Um it takes a while. Uh, it's very slow paced. I wouldn't 
Um, I, I would have done it a lot quicker than this, but it, it makes sense uh, in the scheme of that Batista's this this monster, uh, and Triple H cannot hit him with the pedigree. Indeed, indeed. Um, it basically ends up with then a, was it another spine buster and then a Batista bomb? It, it, I think it was. He's meant to go for kind of like a almost an Alabama slam. Ah, it, right, yes. Because he has Triple H on his... On hanging his, by the back, yes. But because Triple H is full of blood and he's, he's all slipper, it's almost... Triple H was almost being dropped, so he kind of turns it into um, a sad slam mm. kind of thing, which... It's almost like that um, Seamus does. What was that called? Uh, the, the, the cross, the white cross, the iron cross, something like that? that sort of, yeah, the Celtic cross. That's the one. It's almost like that kind of yeah. tucks him round and drops him, yes. Yeah, kind of like um, almost like a um, a, a time bomb from uh, from uh, uh, Hiromu. But props to both guys for for kind of like calling that on the fly. Uh, but eventually, that does lead to uh, Batista going for the for the uh, Batista bomb. I love the little call back to the whole storyline with the thumbs down. That yes. gets a massive pop from the from the fans. Big Batista bomb, and you could tell that this match had taken a lot of uh, energy out of Batista because normally he does the Batista bomb, rolls backwards, gets the pin. He didn't even have the energy to roll backwards. He just literally just got onto Triple H for the pin and new world champion. And the crowd go crazy, of course. So then, Magsy, out of 10 for this one, what are we thinking? And I suppose it's difficult considering it's a 50-50 poll to not throw some comparisons between the two potentially when you're scoring but yeah out of 10 what are you thinking yeah i liked the the king of the ring match more than i like this but i suppose that's because i like those two wrestlers more than i like triple h and batista this was all right um mm-hmm. it, it wasn't offensive i like the uh i like the the, the bleeding spot um i i enjoyed rick flair being involved but it, it doesn't stand out as one of the greatest uh, WrestleMania main events of all time. So I think a six and a half, perhaps. Yeah, You're six and a half me. seems fair. You are kidding me. Six and a half. Look at look what I've got there, mate. Again, we're, we're completely in agreement. Look at that. What a day. Look at that, eh? Six and a half out of ten. I'm with you. Uh, I'll be honest, it's better than I remember it being. Mm-hmm. I thought with my memories of this, I mean, I've watched WrestleMania 21 or parts of WrestleMania 21 loads because of the short angle match primarily. I've always just turned it off when we get to this point because in my head, well, put it this way. You're done. done. Yeah. Yeah. In my head today, I thought I was going back and watching a match that was going to be a four out of 10 or a five out of 10, something like that. I thought it was going to be all right, but not spectacular, a bit sluggish, a bit slow, etc. And, uh, Dan Griffin in the chat there. A CWF hive mind is a wonderful and or terrifying. And we thing. never, we never ever compare before the show as well. Well, never. not not scores. Other things we compare, but that's uh, never mind. It's uh, <laughs> that's in our own free time. It is, and what we do is our business. Damn it! <laughs> but yeah, I I was expecting something a lot worse. I was expecting something a lot slower. I was expecting to be bored a great deal more. I was expecting to be. We said slow and methodical, but that can be okay. I was expecting it to be slow and methodical and then 
with a touch of boredom in it as well. I was almost expecting a Triple H ego trip booking his WrestleMania main event. It was not that. It was better than I remembered. <laughs> However, I think watching it out of context from the pay-per-view, watching it on its own, did it some favors. Yeah. I also think the fact that I watched it straight after I watched Shawn Michaels versus Steve Austin didn't help it because the pace of that match was so much more to my taste than this one. But yeah, six and a half is is the score for me as well, Mr. Mags. Great man's think alike. And idiots agree. <laughs> so then, where are we thinking about going next week? Loads of ways we can link all over the bloody place. Magsy, where do you want to go? Now, should we just keep a going on this train? Because this isn't the end of Batista versus Triple H. This carries on for quite a while. I think uh, eventually it's Batista wins three pay-per-views in a row. But we're not going to backlash because we've already spoke about it a little bit. Um, there, there's, a, for that. there's a match on the undercard of uh, of this WrestleMania that it's, it's kind of like the match that we watched uh, earlier, the the Austin versus um, Shawn Michaels one, where tag team champions are facing off against each other. So okay. earlier on the card, there's uh, Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero, who were the current tag team champions. Now, we've watched a, a Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero match before on the show. I think it was, yes. the, was it the Halloween Havoc 97 one? 96. 97. Oh, no, 90, yeah, no, 97. You might be right. Yes, sorry. Yeah. Um, but this this match on WrestleMania 21 is actually the the start of Eddie's kind of heel turn. Uh, he starts getting more and more brooding, more and more uh, paranoid, and it leads to eventually to SummerSlam 2005, where we get arguably the best wrestling storyline that there's ever been in the history of the world, a storyline that is still being referenced today in the year of our Lord 2023. We are going to Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio in a ladder match for the parental responsibilities of Dominic Mysterio. I'm your pappy. Oh my word! Like we could have so much fun with that stupid, stupid storyline, couldn't we? But the plus side of it is, it's not just a comical, daft storyline. Those two guys can really go, as we all know. Of course, I'm stating the obvious. So yeah. So that's where we're going. For when you started talking SummerSlam 2005, I thought you were going to pitch Hogan Michaels again. I, I was very tempted because, mm. again, on Backlash, we obviously spoke about the Hogan uh, Shawn Michaels uh, teaming up. So. That was something that we could have gone to, but I watched that today. Yeah, it's a, it's what the the backlash match, obviously, yeah. for the perfume. Um, I do want to put forward that Michaels and Hogan match yeah. again, but once it's, if it gets knocked back again, I'll be devastated. So no, I want I want to watch it and talk about it as well because it's fantastic. So you put it forward? No, I'm not. I'm oh. not. I'm not. So, uh, Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, SummerSlam 2005 for the custody of a child. Oh, my <laughs> word. Which is how all 
paternity test should be done. Exactly. That's the way it should be done. That's the way it should be done. Um, Magsy, I'm going to be honest with you. We've watched Royal Rumble 2005. I've watched Backlash 2005 today for Mags v. Cy. We've watched uh, the main event of WrestleMania 21 from 2005. We had the Raw segment the other week. It's been fun going back down this this memory lane. But, but 2005 all... can fuck off. <laughs> pretty much. I'm all 2005'd out. And I'm pretty much all WWE'd out as well at the moment. I'm not going to lie about that. So I was looking... To 1984, AWA, <laughs> Barry Windham and Sting versus... Some uh, other guys who no one else watched. Well, you can't say that no one watched and Magnum TA. Uh, do, do, do you dare talk badly about Magnum TA? Thank you very much. <laughs> and Sting wasn't in uh, the AWA. In- <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that is so condescending. <laughs> well, technically. Well, actually. Actually. Sting was never in the AWA. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I wanted to leave the WWE and that era. Uh, and I, I thought to myself, I want to see some what is potentially going to be good wrestling but i also want to try and find something that i've maybe not seen before and maybe some people in the cwf haven't seen before so when when i think of good wrestling i thought to myself the best match that i've seen in in many many years we've already covered on this show kurt angle versus Shawn michaels on the undercard of wrestlemania 21 which is kurt angle sorry which is 2005. Yes, exactly yes kurt angle we've already covered it we both gave it a 10 i think and kurt angle in my opinion, has probably had the best matches of these competitors' careers. Batista Angle was much better than most Batista matches. Triple H ang- uh, Angle was always good. Michael's Angle was obviously spectacular. And Angle Austin was always very good as well. So I thought, okay, I'm going to use Angle as the link then. He's on the undercard for the WrestleMania show. And he's faced all four of these guys. Where can I go that's unique and I've maybe not seen? So my mind naturally heads towards TNA. So I just Googled best Kurt Angle matches in TNA. And there's a few that popped up that I know I've seen. We've spoke about before and the CWF will, will know of as well. But there's one I was, I'm fairly certain I've never seen that. And it rated very highly with people online. So I would like to go to TNA Turning Point 2009 and see Kurt Angle take on Desmond Wolfe. Who ended up being... Nigel McGuinness. Well, I don't think he ended up being Nigel McGuinness. Well, he was Nigel McGuinness, but yeah, yeah. He, yeah. yeah. So I thought, I'm not nice calling oh. him Desmond, I'm calling him Desmond. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, so there we go. Uh, that is my selection. A bit of TNA, um, like stepping away from WWE, stepping away from 2005. Uh, maybe not as far as I'd like to go, but I was intrigued. As soon as I saw this Desmond Wolf, Kurt Angle, contest i was like well i've got to go with that the whole pay-per-view is available for nothing on youtube so you're able to go and check that out yes so don't panic about having to yeah about having to pay for any subscriptions or find a stream somewhere or whatever it's literally just type in turning point 2009 and it comes up on youtube i I already checked that because i ain't paying for shit i'm not gonna lie so (laughs) but those are your options for next week we have SummerSlam 2005 ray mysterio brazzetti guerrero for custody of I've forgotten the bugger's name now. Dominic. There we go. In a ladder match. Or we are going to TNA Turning Point 2009. Desmond Wolf versus Kurt Angle. Going to be interesting, Mr. Max. Going to be interesting. It is. 
either way, I, I mean, I don't think we can go wrong with a Kurt Angle match, and uh, and we'll there's plenty of meat on the bone with uh, Eddie versus Ray, so win win yeah, way. No fifty fifties though, please. This week, <laughs> shall we have a quick scan through the chat before we depart this evening, my friend? Yes, let's. So, um, Cam says uh, Malenko is intense uh, at the moment on the natural watch along. Uh, Jericho just debuted as well. I'm super excited. Yeah, Jericho versus Malenko is a brilliant uh, storyline and set of matches. Um, really well done. With Nitro Nights magazine, when we get to the end of a calendar year, Danny and I do almost like end of year awards. We have a special bonus Ooh, episode. Look at you, the PWR. This is it. But obviously, we're talking about wrestling that happened 28 plus years ago, whatever. So it's kind of irrelevant. But we're now up to September 1996. So, a couple of months' time, we'll be doing our end of 96 look back and awards and so on. Dean Malenko is going to be right out there for me for my wrestler yeah. earlier. He is yeah. so good in 96. He's, yes, superb. Yeah. Absolutely superb. Uh, Dan Griffin says two ref bumps and zero sense the WWE way. Exactly. <laughs> it, it just didn't make sense whatsoever. Um, and he says if a tree falls in the woods, does it make a sound? If Mags or Sad don't have internet issues, is it really chain wrestling? Yeah. The oh, biggest, yeah. the biggest heel in chain wrestling history is Virgin Media. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, Dan Griffin then says, "Did Sar just imitate the the Walls sausage dog?" <laughs> what did it? What did he used to say? He used to say Walls. Yeah. When did I say Walls? I'm confused now. I think we caught the end of one of your coughs. Oh, that would make sense. That would make sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and Dan says, "The CWF hard man is a wonderful and or terrifying thing." He also says, "Did Barry Windham wrestle in 2005? Probably. Still sporting so. a." a moustache and still being as terrible as ever. Um, I got a bid Magsy on eBay today for a 1990 WCW Barry Windham action figure. How much did you, how much did you get out bid? Uh, well, it, it ended whilst we were live and I forgot that it was ending and basically somebody, so you didn't in. put a snap on. Sorry. So you didn't do a snap. What do you mean? An eBay snap. You go to like a, uh, a website i think it's fatfingers.com and you can basically set a price that you'll go up to and it'll come in at the last second and, and try a snap for you oh i didn't know that no i'm gonna i'm gonna try and remember that for next time then but no i got eight bid mate so i, I didn't get to spend my hard-earned four pound 25 essentially it's four pound odd saved well maybe i want that 1990 wcw barry window figure though i want it well then, get go to the the person who bought it and say, "Look, I will give you five of the Queen's pounds." <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> you can. We'll both make on it. Uh, Dan Griffin says, "Angle versus Wolf from 2009, Prime TNA." I know where my vote is going and where Ooh. Dan's vote goes. Usually, the rest of the CWF follow. So perhaps you're going to win one for once. I might win a poll. Bloody hell! But he then he then doubles back and says, "A fifty-fifty would be nice." No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. No, 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 no. Uh, and then he says, Barry Windham retired in 2010. Weird. I thought he was dead. I think you've mistaken the word thought with wish. Whoa. Whoa. No, I mean, that was harsh. That was actually harsh. Barry Windham was dead. We literally only a few weeks ago on the show were talking about his health issues, and I was very upset, if you remember, and he pulled through. So. <laughs> and I was very upset that he pulled through as well. What the fuck is wrong? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't mind Barry Windham. I just enjoy winding you up more. 
Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Uh, on that note then, Mr. Mags, where can people find you online to talk about wrestling and you won't respond and chickens and you might? Well, I definitely won't respond about wrestling. The only time I go on Twitter is to check what the the topic of the week is <laughs> and maybe whilst I'm there, like a few people's posts. But you can follow me on there if you want, at Podfather Mags, or come over to TikTok where you'll see daily updates about my the new loves of my life, my chickens. Um, <laughs> literally every day I've done a video for the past four weeks. So yeah, if you want Mags content, it's over on TikTok. And, there we go. And just for just for uh, clarification, chicken post do numbers on, on on TikTok. I'm getting the most views I've ever got, and it's all because of chickens. So Let's there we go. go. Oh, there we go. We'll have to get your chickens to promote chain wrestling somehow. We'll have to get them little T-shirts or something. <laughs> you, can't put, <laughs> you can't put a T-shirt on a chicken. <laughs> and the, that right there is the takeaway from this week's show. Forget all the wrestling talk. Forget the music. You can't put a T-shirt on a chicken. We're, we're, uh, we're full of things like that. I mean, remember we did an episode, you can't go around naming strangers cocks this is very just true. like you can't put a t-shirt on a chicken there we go that's a that's a t-shirt coming night like you can't <laughs> put a t-shirt on a chicken i'm gonna make that this weekend uh for anything i'm involved in you need to go to the network that carries this show sjp world media that's at sjp world media on facebook and twitter and all your podcast players platforms and providers loads of shows loads of nostalgia wrestling modern day wrestling uh, we've got more and more stuff joining all the time literally this week three more shows we're confirmed to be coming to the network. Um, not right away. One's going to be in a few months. One's in a couple of weeks. One's going to be much sooner. And none of those are wrestling, believe it or not. They're covering all sorts of different things. And no, they don't involve me. Don't panic. You hear enough of me. But yes, SJP World Media for all of that great stuff. But you can follow this show, most importantly, on Facebook and Twitter. And there is an Instagram and there is a TikTok, but I've lost the logins and I'm going to have to do it all again because I'm shit at that sort of stuff. But Twitter and Facebook, go for it. That's at chain underscore wrestling. At chain underscore wrestling. My throat is packing in. My voice is giving up. So, Magsy, I am off now to go and find some more Barry Windham matches to watch because you're all bastards. And for the podcast listeners, Sarah fucked up the intro. (laughs) 